everyone, and welcome to Chapter Brothers. My name is Nick Ackerman. And my name is Kevin Ackerman. All right, and today we're going to continue on with the Slow Mutants. Uh, last week we got up to uh, basically Roland uh, saying, um, I'll push. And yeah. then he began to push. Exactly. Right? That's where we got up to, Kev. And but before the... we do that... Oh, yes. Before well, yeah, we do that... Just wanted uh, to point out that in the old version, it was literally just a, a hand car. And then in the new version, he decided to make it a robot as well for some reason. Just for, for whimsy. Yes. Oh, yeah, we were talking about the, uh, the the questionable sentience of that handcart. So exactly, it's... yeah. <laughs> is it sentient, or does it just have, you know, a button with a pre-recorded message? I really want to say it's a pre-recorded message, because otherwise it's just this handcart that's just been sentient, living in a black cave, just thinking about nothing for who knows how many millennia. <laughs> oh my god, that's so sad. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> It's like it's like Captain America being uh, frozen in ice for hundreds of years, mm. you know, and just waiting for that. But that was actually a person. Yeah. You know? but like, robots don't oh. sleep. Yeah, uh, it's more like but bicentennial man. You I can see that. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Towards the end of bicentennial man, it was like uh, he he was just like, oh, everyone I know has died, and now I will lay here and wait. It's like, oh, that's really sad. Wait, is that what happens? I. The, that's not what I remember. Right? Maybe I'm thinking of artificial intelligence, the one with Haley Joel. Yes. I, I knew there was something with where, like robots were watching a people die. AI, I, I yeah, think it was that Haley Joel Osment one. <laughs> yeah, <yeah>. Okay. <laughs> it's just something of being a robot, and everyone around me has died. Like C three PO is like just oh, okay, but luckily he can get his mind erased. It's R two D two who's got the real. Uh, <laughs> complex going on in his brain. Perhaps. But at least C three PO has R two D two to go along with him. Yeah. As long as you've got, this you know, a companion of some kind. But yes, go on. Yeah, yeah we should probably yeah. go on. Uh, so I'm just going to ask you a quick one this All time. Right. Just a quick one. Um, uh, so it's time for the Stephen King trivia. Dun, 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 dun. Um, so just a real quick one. Uh, we went from, we're kind of going chronologically through the um, uh, works of Stephen King, uh, his books. So last time we talked a little bit about Salem's Lot, and, and for this one I'm, I'm going to spend a couple weeks on it because Ooh. this is a good one. And is it what I think it is? Well, well, Kevin, it, it's question one. What's next? Uh, I'm going to say The Shining. Yes, I knew it. The Shining, so good. So, so these are the only questions I have for you. Super All quick. Right. Um, I would like you to name um, three of the main actors from the movie. Oh, the actors. The Shining. Um, let's see. Of the actors... I can do two, but then the third one I, I actually have to look up True. right now. Because I think I know it off the top of my head. I mean, <laughs> there's... Okay, so the three actors that I'm going to name may or may not be the people that you have in mind. Uh, number one, definitely Jack... Oh, that's Definitely cool. Jack Nicholson. Because, uh, of course. you know, he's... I mean, is he the protagonist or is he the antagonist? I feel like The Shining, he, like, wobbles on the edge there. Uh... <laughs> But I, I, th I think the antagonist of the movie is the hotel itself. Mm, yeah, probably. And Jack Nicholson is sort of a victim, really. Or, or Jack Torrance, Jack Torrance, really. yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's his name. That's okay, a good point, that. yeah. Maybe maybe <laughs> The Shining is just a tragedy with the main character being slowly corrupted throughout the entire uh, part of the story. Interesting. By the actual antagonist of the hotel. I like that. Uh, so this is an example of another... Uh, Stephen King work where I've only seen the movie. Ooh, okay, yeah, the book. And I know that this one in particular has got a lot of differences. Oh, definitely. Right? Yeah, I feel like 
In, yeah, that's Kubrick kind of used poetic license a lot. That's right? for sure. Yeah the the book in the book <laughs> Jack is so much more nuanced throughout, whereas in the movie I feel like Kubrick is just like yeah Jack is an asshole. Let's just make him the bad guy from the beginning, and then nobody has to worry. <laughs> Uh, but okay, so back to your original uh, question. Um, so Jack, yeah, just name three three actors. Three from the actors. Movie. That's all right. All so, so Jack, Jack Nicholson, Nicholson. Um, Shelley Duvall, not Shelley Long. Yes. Uh, and so uh, here's my, my my I have a second question about Shelley Duvall okay. before we move on. Um, can you name another '70s movie that she was in with Robin Williams? Oh, Shelley Duvall and Robin. Was it The World According to Garp? No, that wasn't her. Wait, damn it. Uh, I, I don't think it's that one. I, I, the one I have in mind is a different okay, one. Okay, yeah, what is it? It's uh, Popeye. Popeye, of course. Shelly Duvall's, Shelly Duvall's olive oil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do remember good. that, it, yeah. it, she, she's a good. She's a good olive oil, to be honest. It's true, yeah. And I think Shelly Duvall w- went through like a lot of crap during that filming of The Shining oh definitely um, or yeah yeah and we can get into that another day but uh, it seems like Kubrick was a very uh, let's say misogynistic misogynistic jerk yeah I would say that yeah <laughs> basically he was like oh I'm gonna treat Shelley Duvall like crap so that it's, it gets into her character and blah 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 and meanwhile me and Jack Nichols are, are just gonna hang out and smoke cigars and drink and have a great old time Ugh. Yeah, it, it's messed up. It was like a psychological. Okay, so, so do you have number one three, more I'm gonna case? go Scatman Crothers. Yes, yes, that was the third <laughs> one that I was thinking too. Nice. Scatman Crothers, Indeed. heck yeah, who who plays a very important role as uh, Dick Halloran. Dick Halloran, yeah. Um, and uh, he uh, is able to commune with our boy Danny. Indeed. And I really need to read that book oh, because so I've only seen the movie. Yeah. Because, but the other movie I've seen is is the one that came after. Uh, what was it called? Uh, I know this. All right, Kevin, you tell me the answer. Doctor Sleep. Yes, Doctor Sleep. Indeed, the go. the sequel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We saw that in the movie theater, and it was you and McGregor was good. Mm. I enjoyed it. It's true. Yeah. All right. And yeah, I haven't gotten to see that I, one I, yet, but I read the book. I, I feel like we could do do more Shining, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna save some more Shining questions good call. for later weeks because it's just a dang good movie Indeed. and book. And before, well, I'm assuming it's a good book. I just I haven't actually read it. Oh, it's it, it is <laughs> very good. Yeah. All right. So uh, anyway, we're going to continue on. Um, pretty much last time we were stuck in uh, a world of anxiety of exactly. walking through a tunnel. And Walking. finding darkness, and eventually finding a little pushcart. Indeed, a tunnel in the dark. Uh, this is kind of the Minds of Moria section of the the Gunslinger, I would say. Oh, I see. Now this actually makes a lot of sense. Mm. I, I didn't put that two together, but that totally works. Exactly. Um, this is <clears throat> this is before they that, find uh, all of the the dead dwarves and everything. But they're just kind of walking through, and it's this eerie silence. So good. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna read this uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read this uh, first paragraph. Go for it uh, from the original. Mm. From the original. And then I'll go with the the new <clears throat> version. Go ahead. Yeah, they rolled on through the dark faster now, no longer having to feel their way. Once the awkwardness of a buried age had been rolled, had been run off the hand car, it went smoothly. The boy tried to do his share, and the gunslinger allowed him small shifts. But mostly he pumped by himself in large and chest-stretching rises and fallings. The, ro- the river was their companion. 
sometimes closer on their right, sometimes further away. Once it took on huge and thunderous, hol- thunderous hollowness, as if passing through a prehistoric cathedral narthex. Once the sound of it disappeared, almost altogether. So, so before you even go into something, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna note something in my book, go and I'm it. wondering if it's your. Are, are you looking at your original? I'm looking at both, yeah. Because I, th- there's a there's a typo in mine. Oh, really? Where? <laughs> Uh, where it says uh, the boy tried to do his share and the gunslinger allowed him small shifts big dash and it's it, it should be but mostly but it said bust mostly interesting <laughs> yeah my version doesn't have that it, it, it does say but mostly yeah it says B-U-S-T in mine that's I, I love this version I have because it's full of like little typos mm. and stuff it's great there you go <laughs> that's what the a bust mostly is that like a, a Donald Plume uh, copy? Uh, what does it say on the on the spine? No, this is the the, the one we've been talking about. No, with no, the, no. The Michael Whalen. I'm uh, saying like, what's the the publisher? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Plume, Plume. Plume. There we go. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, mine is a, a Signet uh, '90s copy. But um, yeah, the, it's it's interesting. Like you, you get the illustrations, but also there's a, a couple of little typos peppered throughout. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what you get whenever you come to uh, Liz and I's uh, trivia. Hmm. Oh, there's the typo of the week. It's okay. <laughs> nice. We're not perfect. Nobody is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, um, yeah. And also, before I get into the changes or anything, I just love the word narthex. It just sounds like, it, for some reason, in my mind, I got just an image of like a robot priest for some reason. Uh <laughs> Narthex. Exactly. Some like in the like far distant future, like uh, some robot uh, religion or whatever that just latches onto the random words from uh, of uh, churches and whatnot. Like you know, from from the chasuble to the to the narthex, uh, we you know we give you thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, wait, wait, what's the context there that he says? Uh, as if passing through some great cathedral narthex. Cathedral narthex. Is that even a word? Like a word in our world? I th- apparently it is an antechamber, porch, or distinct area at the western entrance of some Christian churches. So... Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so kind of like, like a... The, uh, like a foyer. Uh, the, the... Yeah. Uh, the antechamber? Yeah. No, it's not an antechamber at all, right? I mean, antechamber is in the definition. Yeah, yeah, it's an. It would be qualified as an oh. antechamber. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you said that already. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so what I've been trying to do is stop saying I'm sorry all the time. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, just something I do all the time. I I don't know why I do it. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I'm I'm similar. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm as much... I mean, you're definitely much more of a just a casual apologizer multiple times per conversation, <laughs> but I'll definitely... M- my go-to whenever someone says, like, oh, this sucks, or blah, 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 or they're saying something, I'll always say, oh, I'm sorry. And, like, yeah, it's not like I have anything to apologize for. It's just I don't really know what else to say. So it's just m- always, <sighs> like, my go-to, like, oh, I'm sorry. Casual apologizer. Mm. Uh Indeed. So I'm try to stop doing that because we're pretty yeah. great, Kev. Indeed, we are. Yeah. <laughs> so but, okay, what what changes are so, in there in in that first one? So we got the last shout out to our uh, 
the uh, voice of the pushcart where it says the mechanical voice spoke up once suggesting they eat crisp Allah and again to say that nothing satisfied at the end of a hard day like larchies following the second piece of advice it spoke no more so uh, once again just a little bit of uh, you know ad based uh, content uh, uh, for the this pushcart uh, and then Let's see. After that, then there's a little bit of we got a grammatical change uh, instead of that, like double dash between small shifts, but mostly or in your case, bust mostly. Uh, it's he, he changed it to a <laughs> comma. So I feel like the comma makes a little bit more oh, sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then the, the double dash get, gets used uh, not as frequently as, as you'd like in or maybe more frequently. Like that's a, that's a weird uh, writing um thing it is an interesting um, piece of punctuation yeah 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 because uh, you often see hyphens but a big dash like that is but mostly he pumped by himself like he was because <laughs> oh, jake's just a little guy he, he exactly. can't do it yeah can't that's do, the can't thing do it on his own yeah and it's not like they're they're both even close to the same size so if one was on the one side and the other was on you know if they were on both sides of the seesaw then if anything yep. like uh roland wouldn't be able to go up as far wouldn't be able to go down as far because jake would his arms would be stretched all the way up so they do kind of have to take turns um mm-hmm. yeah so then also, it makes me want to try a hand car i think we yeah. talked about this last time yeah i feel like that would be a lot of fun <laughs> like uh you know we, we've got our trail mix and uh some you know a fishing pole on the side and we're just going on a hand car like a couple of hobos in the great depression <laughs> um, oh gosh but yeah so I, I don't i don't want to make light of the great depression because it was a tough time very true the, very uh, true yeah the the um what is it of mice and men is a very depressing book uh that's always what i uh, grapes of wrath grapes of grapes wrath, of another wrath one. Even more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but oh, yeah. yeah i guess they were both depression era kind of yeah 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 steinbeck. steinbeck but he wrote those in like the 50s right true yeah i feel like that would almost be just enough past the in the post-war era when people are starting to feel a little bit nostalgic i guess of you know hobos riding the rails and blah 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 and then john steinbeck is coming in saying no no it was horribly depressing a man shoots his friend uh (laughs) yeah oh man oh poor lenny poor lenny poor lenny i've known so many lennies um (laughs) Okay, but so, yeah, so in any case, the so also they uh, he added in the 2003 edition, uh, the underground river was their companion, sometimes closer on the right, sometimes farther away, and he changed it from a prehistoric uh, narthex to passing through some great cathedral narthex. So I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting that he would change it from prehistoric just to kind of feed into our um i mean I, I don't even know if it's really a theory anymore it seems like it's almost fully confirmed that uh roland is going through some sort of great uh, post-apocalyptic uh wasteland uh yep yeah so inst- that's what i've been saying for a while yeah. it's um uh did we talk last time have you been to a, a cavern a cave Ooh, uh, I went to a couple in Iceland. Um, there were some caverns in there, and uh, as part of like Sweet. a tour, we're going yeah. in July, so you you got to uh, you got to give me uh, 
the places. Oh so yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, <laughs> Cynthia would have uh, a lot more of the, you know, kind of the, the proper nouns and whatnot uh, to fill in for you. I'm, I'm, yeah, but I mostly just remember all this is and stalagmites and definitely, stuff. Oh. yeah, yeah. The waterfalls in Iceland are gorgeous. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's also really cool to just see uh, underground rivers like that. Mm. Um, and that's what's going on here is they just climbed up a freaking mountain. So, And now they're going underground up high in elevation, but there's still water flowing because they're in a high place. You know? That's and true. Uh, groundwater is, is really an interesting thing to, to, to examine. I did a whole class on it, and it's just... It's just really cool to see like what's going on under our feet every day. <laughs> very, very true. Um, yeah. Yeah. The like, uh, what was it? The I was reading this book called Salt, sort of like the history of just you know salt in general, both geologically and historically, and how so many of like great wars were fought over this seemingly inexhaustible resource that is you know just a little bit under our feet and uh but uh, it was so hard to find in ancient times and everything uh and just <laughs> there are so many like ancient caverns that were you know full of completely full of salt, but then when water would go through, it would dissolve it all and it'd become these enormous caverns. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, basically what stalagmites and stalactites are is, um, oh, geez, uh, I believe calcium carbonate um, coming through mm. the, the uh, that might be the wrong. Calcium something. Molecular form. Mm. Calcium something. Ah, oh, darn it. I'm sorry. Um, but it basically, as it drips through, it, it hardens and. No, no, you're right. Um, calcium some, carbonate. Something stays. Yeah, some things stay on the ceiling, and then the other ones drip down to the floor, and to create these um, stalactites on the ceiling and stalagmites on the ground. And, and the real cool thing is when they create uh, towers of mm, them, columns when they actually yeah. connect uh, columns. That's the word. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's anyway, yeah, so, just so a, caves are creepy. I mean, <laughs> definitely. I don't even know if I would call them creepy. Like underground water scares me more. Just the idea of getting swept along and f- finding your way into some cave that you have absolutely no way of getting out of, and you're in this gigantic space, but they're you're just trapped there. Ugh, God. But the the caves them, themselves, like, you know, all of the, you know, phosphorescent wildlife and all of the, you know, there there might be, you know, things in there that are like, uh, might have just completely evolved out of the use of sight because there's no light there at all. So it's just fascinating. And axolotls oh, and yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 Things that uh, have no pigments on their body because they live in the dark or no eyes. Yeah. <laughs> what do you need eyes for? Precisely. Oh my goodness! Yeah, caves are cool. Um, did we talk about the the Philippine soccer team at all? Who got trapped in a cave? A I don't years know ago. if I, I forget. I don't know if we did, but I definitely remember them. Yeah. It just seems like a nightmare oh, to me. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, <laughs> these and, poor kids. Oh, I mean, that coach. I mean, what a freaking hero for you know keeping those kids calm and kind of treating it like it's a. Uh, some kind of an adventure and then eventually the they all get rescued and oh my god what a yeah, what a yeah. story oh yeah. my gosh it, well the, the water built up and they were like oh we are now trapped yeah 
They're now oh. trapped in this little spot. Oh man, that's a yeah. nightmare. Yeah, cave. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, cave scuba diving has got to be the most terrifying thing of all time. Going into like a tight squeeze where you might not even fit with all of your gear and everything. Oh god. Mm-hmm. And also just thinking like, I might have enough air to get in. But do I have enough air to get out? Exactly. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, God. Shivers. <laughs> so anyway. Anyways. Uh, where are we at? So let's see. Uh, I'll go in the the new version. Uh, the speed and the made sure. the speed and the made wind against their faces seemed to take the place of sight and to drop them once again into a frame of time. The gunslinger estimated that they were making anywhere from 10 to 15 miles an hour, always on a shallow, almost imperceptible uphill grade that wore him out deceptively. When when they stopped, he slept like the stone itself. The floor, the food was almost gone again. Neither of them worried about it. For the gunslinger, the tenseness of the coming climax was as imperceptible, but as real and accretive. I don't know that one. Uh... I guess accumulating accretive accretive. No, no, I, I can I can tell you I can tell you that one. So, so like accretion is uh, how planets um, uh, start, and it, and it's when uh, gravity brings things together ah. to, to to create a planet. The, the poss- process of accretion. So so basically, it, it's saying that like things are coming together. Mm. Um, I, I believe that's what it meant as I was reading. Yeah, accretive. That makes sense. That you know. Roland is such a kind of a force of gravity that all of these little things are kind of, uh, you know, accumulating on top of him, whether it's uh, Allie and then Jake and then the man in black. And well, I guess first the man in black, but now Jake and then they're finding this hand car and all of these little things are like coming more and more on top of each other is almost like, you know, he's uh, a snowball going downhill and forming an avalanche. Mm hmm. Just p- picking up more and more as yep, and yeah, that's that's how planets work. Mm-hmm. Is <laughs> over time, large things come together, and and eventually they more and more gravity brings more and more things in. Exactly. You know? they, uh, what do you call exponentially? Yeah. So. Yeah. So, but yeah. uh, but as real, the larger you get, the the more gravity you have. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, but as real and as accretive as the fatigue of propelling the handcar, they were close to the end of the beginning, or at least he was. He felt like a performer placed on center stage minutes before the rise of the curtain, settled in position with his f- first line held securely in his mind. He held, he heard the unseen audience rattling programs and settling in their seats. He lived with a tight, tidy ball of unholy anticipation in his belly and welcomed the exercise that let him sleep. And when he did sleep, it was like the dead. So it's interesting that, I mean, we've got a a few changes in there, but I just want to start on the fact that they say twice that, uh, hang on. um, They were close to the end of the beginning, like that kind of thing. No. So the, uh, the first time he said, when they stopped, he slept like the stone itself. And then at the end of the second paragraph, it says, and when he did sleep, it was like the dead. So first he's sleeping like uh, a, a stone and then he's sleeping like a dead man. So it's interesting that it's m- not only are like the events kind of accreting, but also Roland's kind of fatigue is getting worse and worse with every time he talks about it. Mm hmm. Yeah. 
And then huh. just the idea. Um, also, the other thing, just the uh, this is actually a new line. The they were close to the end of the beginning, or at least he was. And added in the at least he was just to kind of nail in the coffin that he's kind of getting a little bit more detached from Jake a little bit that he's just a little bit more resigned to Jake's fate that he's like, well, we're almost at the end of the beginning or in my or in Jake's case, just the end. (laughs) Just the end. Oh, Oh. I'm so nervous about Jake. But Uh, yeah, (laughs) we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Indeed. (laughs) Oh yeah, a couple of little changes there throughout the. Um, let's see, where was it? Uh, they were making yada yada. yada. Uh, so take them within sight uh, and to put them once again in a frame of time and reference, as opposed to drop them into a frame of time. So couple of little just sort of yeah. neat uh, editorial yeah, yeah. changes there that I feel like I would agree with. with changes. Yeah. Then the in the new version, it has, uh, but as real and in parentheses and accretive as the fatigue of propelling the hand car. In the original, it just says as real and accretive as the pushing of the hand car. So I guess it's just providing a little bit more pauses and things for to make it a little bit easier on the... Uh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. give you a place to breathe, as it were. Uh, the I, I, I also I just love the metaphor of Roland being an actor who's just on stage. The curtain's about to rise, and he's about to kind of be thrust into this play that he is fulfilling his role of. So he's he's sort of. Um, he feels this sense of uh, predestination of his uh, conflict with the man in black about to either come to yeah. a close or about to happen. So and something he's been yeah, waiting for all of his life. Anticipation. Yeah. Precisely. Anticipation. Patient. Patient. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's absolutely what I, f- I feel right here is, is just uh, it, where are we going next? Mm. And, and, I, and that incoming impending climax like i know we're getting to the end of this book but but it's also just like you said this is the the end of the beginning Mm -hmm. where you know yeah we might be ending this book but there's six more books guys six more to go (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right uh Uh, once again we should not read every paragraph precisely um to do but, but like this, th- this whole section we're going to read right now is like what's nuanced and what isn't said. It seems like agreed. Um, <laughs> performing. Oh yeah. So the boy spoke less and less. I guess I am going right on. Yeah. But at their stopping place, one sleep period before they were attacked by the slow mutants, he asked the gunslinger almost shyly about his coming of age. So um, right there, th- there's our king shadowing precisely for. for uh, the chapter uh, one one sleep period before the slow mutants came so okay the slow mutants are coming and they're gonna attack before the slow mutants come we, we've got we got a story yeah we got a story and i mean, I mean it's just, gonna it, if we're going back to the whole lord of the rings metaphor i almost feel like it's like and just before they encountered the balrog in the mines of moria uh aragorn had some questions about second breakfast <laughs> yeah <laughs> Or even more, like, before, uh, you know, Gandalf uh, had to deal with the, the Balrog, uh, he had a, a talk with Frodo 
about um, pitying those who, you know, deserve yeah. pity. Pitying the wretched, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's also just... Uh, and maybe that's what Ro- Roland should have done, is done a little more pity. Precisely. But that's. But I feel like that's Roland's, like, one of his greatest character flaws, is that, you know, his greatest strength is his greatest weakness. The fact that he's so single-minded about his... Uh, his quest for the tower, that he has to get there at all costs, and the fate of all of the universe depends on it, but at the cost of sacrificing his own humanity and the the lives of the people around him. So he... Uh, the the thing that's going to get him there is the thing that is going to make it not worth getting to, if that makes sense, yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's amazing the, the similarities I'm finding between... Um... Lord of the Rings and, and this. It's true, it's yeah. Really cool. Yeah, at one point Stephen <laughs> King kind of said that the Dark Tower is his his magnum opus, his Lord of the Rings. So kind of, I feel like he, even in writing it, he had some, maybe not, if not consciously, then definitely subconsciously had these sort of, same sort of plot beats in mind, yeah. I mean, the difference is, uh, this is a fellowship of two. True. Rather than a fellowship of nine, so <laughs> it makes it tougher uh, when it's just the two of you, and and knowing that your companion is doomed, you you've been told numerous times and through various visions that this one companion you're with is pretty much doomed. In any um, case, let's go back to the Dark Tower. Um, so so yeah, Jake Jake wants to know about um, Roland's past. Exactly. That, that that's that's what's going on here. Yeah, and then uh, we've got a, an addition here for he says. For I would hear more of that, he said. And then, in the original, it just goes from the the implied uh, Jake asking, what is it? Uh, it was, uh, yada yada, not long before they were attacked by... He asked the gunslinger almost shyly about his coming of age. And then, I guess mm-hmm. in the new version, it makes it explicit, precisely what he's saying. Uh, almost actually mid-sentence, because uh, it just says, for I would hear more of that. Um... I would hear more of that. Yeah. And then, I mean, that addition, I, I mean, I guess it gives Jake a little bit more agency, I guess you would say, just to have him kind of speaking his own words instead of just the narrator telling him the idea of what he said. Uh, and then it goes to... Well, because it, it, it seems to be a theme throughout this that, that Jake is talking less and less. Yeah. Like, he's he's not really into this, and he knows that he's walking to his destiny or <laughs> push carting his way to his destiny. Exactly. His second death. Um, yeah, yeah. Second death. Like, it's his, oh, it's just second death. <laughs> we haven't had first. Yeah. <laughs> we've only had first death. Yeah. We need second death. <laughs> Love and seas, afternoon tea, lunch, dinner, supper. <laughs> Third death. <laughs> um, uh, and I just want to skip the next chapter, but all I want to mention is they are mentioning the fact that uh, he he's running out of tobacco. Yes. Okay. Oh, actually, I... <laughs> it's, it's good to know that. I mean, <laughs> plot-wise, we can skip the next chapter, but there are a ton of additions here that's actually interesting. Um, oh, really? Yeah. The So, first off, uh, just to be... Uh, pedantic. Uh, the gunslinger had been leaning with his back against the handle. In the original, it just says he'd been leaning against the handle. Uh, yada yada, dwindling, to bu- dwindling, bah, dwindling supply of tobacco clamped in his lips. In the original, it said clamped in his mouth. 
you know, potato potato changes. Uh, leaning against the handle. I mean, how, how do you how do you hold a cigarette? I mean, in my mouth means makes it seem like it's like in my teeth. Yeah, exactly. My lips means like it's kind of dangling. Like uh, I, I remember in <laughs> one of my old coaches back in the day, he just would coach with just a. A cigarette mm. just dangling off the end. Not even you think of yeah, Not even any heat, any uh, <laughs> what do you call any muscle attached to it. The cigarette cigarettes just sort of dangling there, just by the you know, yep, yep. Uh, it's just, just on, hanging, hanging out. out on just the moisture <laughs> of his lip. Yeah, <laughs> but really, you're wasting it. Oh, totally. And, and yeah, he's already got a dwindling supply. Like, if you're gonna smoke it, smoke it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it almost seems like he's about to fall asleep there, or at least in my imagination. Yeah. You know, on the verge, yeah. yeah, on the verge of his usual unthinking. On sleep. the verge of usual unthinking sleep, mm. because okay, uh, time is moving different. They're they're talking about sleep periods, so right. this is who knows what's going on. Like the, like they're I'm tired, I'm awake. I, I don't know what day is today or what day is tomorrow. Yeah. I think he they, uh, they don't they have any said, means um, of keeping time, so they don't even know if it's day or night outside. I think he was saying the uh, that the pace that they were moving was. Uh, giving him a sense of time it's like all right if we're moving 10 miles per hour and if we keep going at this pace this is how many hours are passing by the wind going past my face so um yeah so jake is like you know uh i want to hear about your coming of age and then in the original it says uh why would you why would you want to know why would you want to know that yeah and then in the new version it says why would the sill to know that which i feel like is just making it more confusing like i mean he's adding in a little but i mean maybe that's the point is that roland is trying to stall so he's trying to speak more convolutedly that jake might not even understand so well is he is he speaking the high speech there I feel like it's sort of halfway in between because i imagine high speech being a completely different language uh, not just these and those. Oh, I don't know. Hmm. Okay, so so what you're saying is when he speaks the high speech, it's English for us here, but he's actually, like, that's a translation? Precisely, yeah. Of what he's actually saying? Because oh, okay. Allie yeah, at the yeah. bar, she didn't understand when, um, what's his name, Nort started speaking in the high speech. He was just like, oh, that was, he was speaking funny. Nort never said, sounded like that before. Well, hmm. Hmm. No, yeah, I'm I'm sticking with it. I feel like it's it's Elvish to to common. I feel like it's a totally different language that he wouldn't understand. So, all right. So, Quenya and Cinderin, Le- learn those words. All right. And uh, so, Cinderin is like <laughs> the, the, elven- the higher Elven. There's a higher Elven, but then Quenya's like the basic. Well, not even basic, like, eh. but still unintelligible to people who speak the western tongue as as you said mm. because it's you know in different writing um it's the same as dwarvish too uh oh what's the name of dwarvish oh i used to know this one come on nicholas uh it's called blah 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 who's duel who's duel yep. yes sorry it took me a minute to get there but who's duel is, is the the language of, of the dwarves mm. dwarfs Dwarves. dwarves. Yeah, I dwarves. think dwarves. So, so there's two different ways. There's there's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs with an F. And in uh, Tolkien, in, in The Hobbit, he, he it's dwarves huh. with a V. You're I right. Oh, it is dwar- Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> I always just assumed it was dwarves. Huh. There you go. Yeah, just little changes. Like, that, that was something... It's so... 
Tolkien helped to write the uh, Oxford English Dictionary. Did he really? <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, and uh, I, I think that was one of his changes. He was like, uh, "Dwarves should be with a V, not an F." Mm. <laughs> yeah, Kuz. Or maybe that was what Disney did. He was like, "You know what? I'm going to make it with an F, just to make it different." Mm. <laughs> Yeah, Coos Duel is basically just Viking runes. Um, I'm looking at the the two of them side by side, and it's basically the same exact thing. Uh, yes, actually, that's, I mean, that's absolutely. What? Huh. It's it, it hard and uh, angular, right? Um, uh, like like hard angles, just like uh, if if you were in Moria. And we should probably save this for our, our, our Tolkien talk. You're right. You're <laughs> right. Time. Okay. True. I could. <laughs> but, I could uh, but if you look, I could go down this rabbit hole very quickly. It, but no, I won't. If, if you look at Quenya, Quenya uh, is much more um, uh, flowing and and, and uh, uh, like beautiful and not like mm. so hard. Exactly. The angles, you know. Yeah, Quenya is the. Right. The what is it? That's like what you always see whenever someone has like the that uh, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, like kind of written in like a circle. Uh... Yeah, but but that's that's the uh, that's the language of Mordor. Oh, and, you're right. We will not speak that here. Fair enough. Yeah, that is a different language. <laughs> that's the dark speech. I just did a Google image search. So uh, interesting. So Quenya and Tengwar are two other things. Man. Oh, Tengwar. Yeah. Wait, now, now I'm confused. Tolkien Dang is it. just rewriting Me- multiple different languages over and over again, like I'm doing with D&D yes. characters. <laughs> so cool. Like, he, he was a linguist. Exactly. He was a linguist before he was a writer, you know? Uh, a philologist, mm-hmm. really. Do, do you know, have we talked about that? It's a study of languages. Not just the study of words. Mm-hmm. Like, etymology is the study of words. Philology is the study of languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the the sounds and not only like an individual word origin, but kind of why did the word like words originate in this way and whatnot? Like, you know, saying Vikings would have, you know, a very hard uh, script because most of the time they're kind of engraving things into stone and whatnot. So you would uh, need something that can go in just a lot of straight lines, which also makes sense for dwarves. Yeah. Anyway, we should move on. So, yes. Um, so, so here yeah, we've he's, got, he's got uh, a dwindling supply of dwindling tobacco. Supply of tobacco. <laughs> so here we've got a major change here. Like, uh, I'm just going to go start with the original and just, uh, so Jake is like, I just would, well, in the, the original, he says, I just do. And the new version, he says, I just would. So, um, I mean, I guess that's just Stephen King just wanting to make Jake more grammatically correct, which I feel like for an 11 year old, he would just say, I just do, but whatever. Um, yeah, that makes more sense. The original. Yeah. I just I do, do. want to know your past. Yeah. Let, let me know. Yeah. As opposed, like, I feel like in this case, Stephen King oh. is going back and correcting so much grammar that he's kind of thrown out the baby with the bathwater in this case, where I feel like <laughs> to what an actual kid would say, he would say, like, why would you want to know that? I just do. Why would you want to know that? I just would. That sounds a little bit too proper yeah. for me. Uh, <laughs> but, the, but then the, the real sad line is what he says next. I always wondered about growing up. It's mostly lies. Mm. And it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, he only lived to be 11. Only you know? lived to be 11. And he's, his, he had this bad relationship with his parents. The person he was closest to was his housekeeper, who kind of kept him at arm's length, being like, no, uh, you are a, the 
you are the child of the person I work for. You are not my son. So uh, what she, she call him Colorado or something? What, uh, what was the nickname that she had? Bama. That's it. I, I knew it was a, a state name. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so like he, the just the bare twinge of affection that he gets from this woman is enough to kind of keep him holding on. But his, you know, his father kind of uses him as almost like a ah, look at this kid. He's uh, almost like an extension of himself and his mother he doesn't seem to have almost any relationship with other than kind of saying how she would t- tell him the whole tiger tiger burning bright uh as a bedtime story and it gave him nightmares so uh kind of jake he's such a tragic little kid and then he finally meets roland and roland kind of has this uh, affection for him starts to you know uh, love him and everything but then Ugh, Roland is like, no, but the quest and the, uh, I have, you know, sacred purpose and blah, blah, blah. But, and so Jake is kind of almost diminishing within himself. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. Fortune and glory. Exactly. Like, it's, it sounds like th- this is a short round kind yeah. of, uh, <laughs> precisely. But then it's like, oh, I got to watch out for this kid too, but I need to go look for these shankara stones mm. <laughs> and it's almost it's even worse kind of because uh short round has so much more kind of control of his own story too jo- short rounds like he'll start like punching people to let indy go he leads the whole like little kid slave revolt in the end whereas jake you can tell that he's just sort of like the you know the uh, like Hal at the end of 2001 like he's slowly like he's speaking less he's, he has so little hope like all of the systems are turning off one by one. Oh, oh wow that's a good analogy okay yeah because I, I, I see that it feels like the systems are turning down the, the boy is talking yeah. less and less exactly but then <laughs> and finally we have this point where Jake is like okay tell me something about your story tell me about your coming of age just to because I almost feel like Jake is kind of feel has this mentality of like, well, if I'm gonna die, then I might as well hear about you became a, how you becoming a man because apparently I'm never going to. So that's kind of or, the, the train of thought he, in my head. Is, or is he trying to kind of jumpstart Roland? Maybe a little bit. He's like, he's like, tell me about your past because you cared about things in the past more than just the man in black. So. Tell me about the things you care about so you can care about me. Ooh, okay, I like <laughs> that too. Yeah, a little bit less defeatist, yeah. But I mean, either way, yeah. he's trying to forge a connection with Roland. He's trying to get Roland to uh-huh. kind of see that, you know, Jake is not a bargaining chip. Jake is a person, just like you were. Yeah. So what he said was, I bet it's mostly lies. Uh, then in the original, Roland said, um, it wasn't growing up. The gunslinger said. Oh, actually, yeah. Why don't you read the original? I'll read the new version. I'm going to try to do this in the gunslinger's voice. Go for it. It wasn't growing up. The gunslinger said, I never grew up all at once. I did one place and another all along the way. I saw a man hung once. That was part of it, though. I didn't know it then. I left a girl in a place called Kingstown 12 years ago. That was another part. I never knew any of the parts when they happened. Only later I knew that. What does that even mean? <laughs> and I guarantee you there's some changes there, right? Mm-hmm. Kingstown? Because I, I, I think that was changed to Magus, right? Uh, no, actually. it's still uh, In this part of the book, it's still Kingstown, actually. Oh, okay. I, I thought it was uh, 
who was talking about uh, what's her face, uh, Susan Delgado. I thought so too, but uh, apparently, uh, 2003 Stephen King uh, left a girl in Kingstown uh, in a different time. So that's a different woman. Okay. Mm. Although I didn't want to. <laughs> so yeah. Um... Another double dash there. Although I didn't want to. Or is that in the new one? Yeah, uh, I think that is just in the new one. Yeah, that's in the new one. Uh, so, yeah. And so, basically, all in that part is about a couple of sentences. In the new version, it says... Um, so... Yeah, da, da, da. It, what, what you'd hear of wasn't my growing up, the gunslinger said. I suppose the first of that, not long after what thee'd hear of, when you fought your teachers... Teacher, Jake said remotely. That's what I want to hear. Like, Jake is just cutting him, cutting him off from going on a tangent. So Roland says, Aha, I can go on tangent if I want to. Roland nodded. Yes, of course. <laughs> the day he had tried the line, that was a story any boy might want to hear, all right. My real growing up didn't start until after my da sent me away. I finished doing it at one place or another along the way. So that one place or another thing, still consistent. He paused. I saw a not-man hung once. A not man. Okay, stop right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't understand either, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> you mean a not man? Is so, this part of his uh, uh, slow mutants kind of thing? Is like that these people are not men because he's like I don't know. Is, does he find himself superior to them? So it says right here, uh, you could feel him, but you couldn't see him. And Jake nodded, seeming to understand. He was invisible. Jake raised his eyebrows. I mean, Roland raised his eyebrows. He had never heard the word before. Do you say so? Yes. So I guess I think I feel like this is just kind of adding to the more supernatural aspect of it. Kind of I feel like 2003 Stephen King is like, OK, so people weren't quite sure if this is a Western or if this is fantasy or if it's science fiction. So I'm just going to toss in a whole bunch more fantasy and science fiction things to make it a little bit more of an even stew as opposed to it's just you're eating mostly desert through this entire book. Um mm-hmm. So then, after, so uh, I, I love that you say the stew because <laughs> that's just such a Tolkien thing too. It's like you know, just put all the, uh, the the things into the stew, and it's about the taste of the stew, not uh, what is going into it. <laughs> Precisely, all of the different aspects kind of flavor everything else as well at the same time. So mm-hmm. let's see. So then, uh, do you say so? Yes. Then let it be so. So that's another kind of Rolandism. Do you say so? Then let it be so. So. Uh, that's just a little bit more of Roland's kind of vernacular that Stephen King's adding in. In any case, there were folk who didn't want me to do it, felt I'd be cursed if I did, cursed if I did, if I did it, but the fellow had gotten a taste for rape. Do you know what that is? Yes, Jake said. I bet an invisible guy would be good at it, too. How did you catch him? That's a tale for another day, knowing that there would be no other days. Both of them, knowing there would be no others. Two years after that... sad. I know, so sad. Two years after that, <laughs> I left a girl in a place called Kingstown. So I've got just a, a whole huge highlighted section and then just that one white part. I left a girl in a, in a place called Kingstown. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, and, and that's all, uh, I'm sorry, orange? That's, uh, that's an addition? Additions are yellow. Oranges are changes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So Okay, so that's, that's just a straight addition. Most of that's addition, but then the two years after is a change because originally it was... Uh, uh, originally it says I left a girl in a place 12 years 12 years ago so 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the in the original version, it kind of establishes that Roland's been on this quest for 12 years, but then in the new version, they want to make that timeline a little bit more murky. So who knows how long Roland has been walking. Um, and then added in as well. Oh all, my gosh. Yeah, although I didn't want to. Uh, and then uh, adding in, sure you did. That just seems like uh, just... Uh, the worst purgatory. Exactly. Just like you are destined to walk this desert and and chase this person down for the rest of your of your eternity. Yeah. Because and, of what you've done in the past, and like, you have like, no idea. Did you do something wrong? Yeah. I mean, I mean, anybody has done something wrong, I guess. Uh, particularly people, uh, a guy who lives by the gun. So when you've got weapons that can instantly kill people, you've got your your mistakes go exponentially worse and worse. I would say. That's- you're right. Yeah. So, so I, I often think this when I when I watch Star Wars and stuff. I'm like, you just killed like hundreds of people on that ship. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They they might be the quote bad guys or whatever, but like those you just killed all those people. So mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> does that make it's you true. the good guy? I don't know. <laughs> but I feel like with Star with war in general, I feel like there's a different kind of mentality because once you sign up to work on a battleship, whether it be the Death Star or a Star Destroyer of any kind, then there there's the assumption that you're devoted to this cause so therefore what you're you know when a ship gets destroyed it's you're fighting against the the other side of whatever that cause might be so i feel like there's a different morality there but mm. i mean then I, again, I, just, I just feel like know. there's 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 a death star uh like like nursery area where like the kids of the people who work on the death star mm. <laughs> inevitably yeah and they're they're just playing with legos and stuff and they're kids they, they didn't do anything wrong why do they deserve to die true very <laughs> very true i mean that's it, it comes down to the morality of war in general as being uh yeah, yeah. just overall war is just a, a terrible thing but well, yeah and, and so, so going back to roland mm-hmm. uh he's basically he was at war yeah right totally with, with uh, but he was on he's in the empire and these other people are the rebels. I mean, is, is what what I'm thinking because he talks about. And I think that's later on, like about how the, there's no kings anymore or something. True. I mean, and uh, it all depends on your point so, of view, really. I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't call it the empire because I feel like the empire was kind of set up after the the old republic was kind of dismantled. The empire was. Basically, the whole point of the Empire was just to have the Emperor at the top of it and to oppress everyone underneath, whereas I feel like... Uh, it sounds like the gunslingers are oppressing everybody underneath, yeah, is what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's just the, you know, the Empire who's just the happened to be... Are, they're the only... Just happened to be within I'm, a generation of the old republic, as opposed to, you know, most monarchies and whatnot. They last for hundreds, if not thousands of years, so kind of it's maybe just because we don't have the weight of tradition that the empire seems more evil than like say uh any modern day monarchy that uh came to power by but, oppressing others well, yeah well the thing i was thinking was is the fact that they are the only ones in the the, the realm however large it is that has technology so the empire you know, or the gunslingers uh, the gunslingers oh yeah it's true. They do. They do hold on to the secrets of gu- of guns very religiously. Like yeah. people outside, well, it's no, a very rare say, thing to that the, that there even the, would be the guns. The guy in the kitchen, 
the guy in the kitchen, he 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 had the only technology around. You're right. Some sort of whirring machine or whatever. Yeah, right? the the great stove um, that he was working on. Yeah. And, and really, and, and so, so what's his name? Pax. Is that uh, Hacks. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But but really, he's like the. Um, uh, I regret that I have but one life to g- give for my country. Like uh, he's the, the the rebel in, in this this whole thing. That and, is and he's true. He's trying to pass information. So I don't know. That that's what I'm seeing so far. I don't think I like the gunslingers. All right, all right. <laughs> and I think Roland is paying for what his uh, family and ancestors have done over the years. <laughs> and I don't know how I feel about Martin yet. And we're going to get to that. Okay. But. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's that is interesting. Yeah. Uh, I like the you know the idea oh, of not yeah, always assuming the that's a tale the good for sense. another day. Very true, a tale <laughs> for another day. So here we've got another uh, addition here where he says. Uh, so again, wait, wait, Kev, I, I, I'm, I'm going to stop you real quick. Uh, that, that's a tale for another day. I was talking to Dad, yeah, the, the other day, and, he, and he's like writing a book. Oh, and uh, like, and, and it's like memoirs. It, it's something he's always wanted to do nice. or whatever, but. Um, so he's like slowly like ready. I, I, I'm sorry if this is like a secret, but whatever. Um, uh, so he was telling me about it, and and he says that uh, what he does is all the time like he just says, "But that's a tale for another day," or "That's a story for another day." I think is is, is how he words it. Mm-hmm. Um, so so he'll, he'll be on a point and and then just like stop himself from digressing. So our our dad has uh, a lot better. Um, uh, uh, restraint than we do at, at tangentializing. True. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, in normal conversation, I'll be much more kind of uh, brief and to the point, whereas I feel like the whole point of a podcast is just to say everything that comes to your mind. So <laughs> Go off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, th- that's why we, so I want to get Dad on the show. Definitely. I want to get Matt on the show. I, I, I've been trying to, Dennis, Lauren, a- anybody who wants to come on, um, <laughs> we, we'd like to have a third. I, I think that would be cool to bounce some of these ideas off of. I agree. So we, we just have to be like, okay, guys, read The Gunslinger, and we're going to go into the second one together. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I I would love that, yeah. Cause I, and also, I kind of feel, I, I love that this is sort of like got a, a little bit of, well, in in my head now, I'm just imagining sort of a, a little bit of a Wizard of Oz progression where it starts with just the two of us, then the next book is three people, then the next book is four people, and then it keeps just getting bigger and bigger. Oh my god, it'd be crazy! It's true. By if there was eight of us. Mm, by the time <laughs> that's the thing. By the time we get to the seventh book, there's all eight of us uh, reading uh, together. Well, nine. You gotta have dad in there. True. So. True. <laughs> yeah, and there is a, a book in between there as well. So by the time we finish the eighth book, then uh, it's all nine of us. Well, we also had the idea for uh, this is an interesting group, Indeed. which is uh, this is an interesting group. Sorry, I no, no, mumbled I, I through heard that. You. <laughs> uh, it's something our mom used to say all the time. Say, well, this is an interesting group, and it's just um, when instead of having the big group of everybody, it's just you get a, a, a little collection of like, oh, it's Kevin, Nick, and and, uh, and Lauren. You know, hmm. and we're gonna just talk. Yeah. Or and you're like, oh, it's 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 Matt's, Pete, and uh, Colleen, yeah. or, or whoever. It, it could be anybody. Teresa, uh, Lauren, and Colleen. That that's a good mixture, sure. actually, just to get the all, all female uh, side of it. Precisely. <laughs> yeah, and just kind of constantly, just uh, you know, different combinations of people. Yeah, and different yeah. perspectives on. I think this is an interesting group. Was going to be focused on music, right? 
Yeah, that was going to just be music. Yeah, and, and Chapter Brothers is, is books. Exactly, and music is definitely and, one and, of our, our, our big passions as a family because our dad uh, oh, played absolutely. guitar, and he was in a band in high school, and then played guitar in church yeah, for the 12 you know, string. 30, the 40 years. The 12-string guitar guy. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember what, what finger, was it? finger picking. Uh, exactly. Yeah, the uh, his first uh, six string. He had uh, a string for uh, each of uh, each of his kids, and I think uh, I forget if he had six kids born at that point, or if there was also a string for him and mom. But uh, oh, I didn't hear that. Oh story. no, yeah, man. You see, there, there's so many cool dad stories mm-hmm. that we don't know. Exactly. Or, that only some of us know. You know, precisely. And that's why this is an interesting group is great because you see it from all points of view. All points of view is always mm-hmm. a better idea. Yeah. <laughs> but then I guess we should have a third one eventually. That's because uh, I think Chapter Brothers is books. I agree. So the third one will be movies. Mm. And I'm, I'm thinking of calling it the Axe of the Axe. Hmm. I feel like I feel or like Axe a- Axe <laughs> of the Axe would be more well, when we're reading through the Bible. Because like Acts of the Apostles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, boy. Oh, are we really going to do that? That'll be oh, man, I would love to. Uh, I have so many thoughts about the Bible. Uh, just as a, a work uh, of, you know, debatable it, fiction. <laughs> well, just literary mm, art. Exactly. You know, as far as a book of fiction. But is it based in reality? It's like a... Uh, Historical fiction, kind of. I, I don't know. Yeah, it might be in the the realm of legend, where it's, it's like not quite Tom fact, Clancy not quite fiction, or something. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, we we got Tom a lot of plans. He's the right person to compare it to. <laughs> uh, I was going to say more like King Arthur. Like, could have been real, could have been fictional. We don't know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, definitely historical. Either way. <laughs> I was just saying the fact that, like, you know, they're working with the technology we had at the time and stuff like hunt for red october oh no wait is that tom Clancy? yeah yeah right mm. am i thinking of the wrong guy it's not my genre the, so i don't know it's tom the clancy or... guy. Pa- patriot games and all that i think it might be tom clancy hang on well, let me just yeah that's sort of a historical fiction right anyway who cares uh tom clancy is the hunt for tom red Clan- october yes yeah, yeah yeah i just compared him to the Bible. <laughs> I mean, a, a bold claim. That's, that might be the first time anybody said that. But anyway, they're both uh, taking things from the time and uh, putting their twist on it. I I guess so, yeah. Okay, a, a, a not man. Yeah, I'm sorry. So, yeah, I, in I'm any stretching. case. But, um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so, anyway. So we're, we're going back. Uh, so we're going back. Uh, so uh, just before we go into Roland's flashback, uh, Jake has another uh, added piece of sarcasm tossed in because I do I have noticed a lot in the new version Jake has a lot more to say whereas in the original Jake is just kind of following following whatever Roland does and like he's in love with him but he hates him but he's you know he has this whole sort of father thing but he also hated his father so there's complex emotions there whereas in the new version I feel like it's a lot more indicative of modern modern father-son relationships whereas you know in the 70s uh, a father would just maybe like you know kind of like hit their kid or something just to shut them up or assume you know absolute control and uh, reverence and everything whereas in 2003 
there's a lot more res- their respect has to be earned. So children might mm. be more likely to talk back to their parents and their parents would say, you know what? You're right. I am wrong. So in, in this case, Jake says, sure you did. The boy said, and the contempt in his voice was no less for the softness of his tone. So I guess he's he's speaking softly, but he's contemptfully got to catch up with the tower. Mm. Am I right? Got to keep a riding just like the cowboys on my dad's network. Uh, Roland felt his face flush in the dark, but when he spoke, his voice was even. And he kind of ignores what Jake says here. To, oh just to, yeah, just to say. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm just now seeing that addition. Like I heard it before, but mm-hmm. now like actually seeing that it's an addition. That's that's a huge change. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Got to catch up that tower. Am I right? Got to keep it riding, just like the Cowboys on my dad's network. Oh man, like. That says so much. Yeah. Like, 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 okay, I like the 2003 editions here. Agreed. I think these are really good editions to, to give Jake a, a fuller character. Yeah, totally. Totally. And Instead of the boy said nothing. Yeah. In the original, it was just right? the boy said nothing. Yeah. Like, there's so many <laughs> times, like, I feel like Stephen King, as the years went by, he wanted to give Jake more to do, more to say, instead of having him just be the boy that Roland is basically just keeping on a leash as he's following behind him. Like, I don't know what to do with him, so I guess I'll take him with me. I have, I have, I have a question yes. and a theory. The, um, the, so Stephen, Stephen King wrote these in um, a, a uh, release with uh, the Fantasy and, and Science Fiction magazine. The magazine of said, said, Fantasy and Science uh, Fiction, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, over, uh, what'd you say, 78? Between... 82? We're, in, we're into 82 now? Between... The year of Teresa? Uh, between 1978 and the last one was published November 1981. And then the book of The of the Gunslinger was published in 82. Okay, so, so yeah, this whole book of collected things over the years was 82. Correct. When... Here's a good Stephen King trivia. When was his first child born? Ooh... Uh, is it Joe or is it Owen? I think it's their, their first child. I think it's Joe. Uh, hang on. Let me just look it up. Just look look that up real quick. So, so while you're looking that up, what I'm thinking is, um, as Stephen King got older, it's 2003. This is after his accident and stuff. After he's had kids and understands how, um, children communicate. Mm -hmm. Maybe before this, he was like the chat, the boy said nothing because, he didn't know what a boy would say at yeah. that time. He didn't. He never had a boy. Agreed. <laughs> right. So this is uh, sixty. Let's see. They if they got uh, sixty nine. He started writing the book. It was when he graduated college. It was about ten years later. He pr- Joe was probably already born. Born at this point, right? Joe was born in nineteen seventy two. Owen was born okay, in nineteen seventy seven. And his daughter, Tabitha. Uh, Joe oh, his Owen. daughter named Tabitha. Yeah, too. his daughter Naomi. Sorry, his wife is named Tabitha. Um, yeah, Naomi is the daughter. Oh, she is a Unitarian Universalist Church minister in Plantation, Florida, with her partner. Yeah, we Vendeca. talked about that. Oh, really? I don't remember that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, way back. It's, we've been doing this a while, Kev. I think we've forgotten a lot of what we said. Very true. Um, but yes, I, I knew he had he had two sons and a daughter, and the daughter was a Unitarian she, uh, priest, uh, Naomi. But when, when was she born? 1970. So she, all three of his children were born oh, by the time he uh, was writing The Gunslinger. Yeah. Na- Naomi's the oldest, then. 
No. Uh, yes, she is the oldest. Yeah. So she was uh. 70 and then Joe was 72 and Owen was 78. Is that what I just said? I thought you said 77. 77. Okay. Right. Yeah, so that makes it, sense. It's, it's, it's close to our uh, oldest siblings. Right. Ish. Ish. Mac, Colleen. Uh, yeah, not really. They're both older than Colleen except for Owen. Owen's almost Pete's age. Interesting. Uh, so if Naomi was born in 1970, that was actually before he and Tabitha Spruce got married. I did not realize that. Oh, huh. there you go. Shotgun, bang! What's up with that thing? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, but uh, I, I have all, I all the love in the world that... for Stephen King. I didn't mean to be disrespectful right there. That was that was sorry. <laughs> but yeah, yeah she was but... born June first, nineteen seventy. Oh no, wait. June of 1970, and then... And Tabitha. Yeah, uh, Tabitha King, 1971. Yeah, Hmm, curious. Uh, But in any case, uh, so, yes, to your point, he had three children, uh, one of whom was, uh, let's see, at least eight years old by the time he he published the first section of this book. So he he would know it. It's my theory is stupid. No, 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 not stupid, not stupid. No, 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 because... (laughs) Uh, what is it? Uh, he, if he started this book when he was 19, then that would be in 1966. 69? 66, okay. Wait. In the night of, uh, March of 1970, I found myself sitting at my old office model Underwood with the chipped M and the flying capital O, uh, writing the words that began the story that man in black fled across the tower, the desert and the gunslinger followed. So if we're saying that mm. sentence was written in 1970, then that would be the beginning. So at that point, but he did Kevin, actually a, have what, a child. What's an Underwood? Uh, a type of typewriter. Oh, okay. Mm. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. the It's just that type of writing, which makes me really like this guy. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I need to... What does this word mean? Mm. Stephen King... You're, you're very interesting yeah that's a lot of stephen king where he'll be like oh here's a reference to this thing and then a little bit later he'll like tell you what he's referring to so it's i feel like stephen Mm -hmm. king is like the exact opposite of like when people talk about like gatekeeping like stephen king is he is a doors wide open and be like oh here look at this thing that i've got right here and i'll tell you where i got it from read this book and you know he he's just uh i always just imagine like a guy working at a bookstore gate like, opener. exactly yeah gate <laughs> opener he's a guy working at a bookstore who's constantly like "Ooh, you should read this thing and then this and then this because i've got this whole story here where a bunch of characters kind of behave similarly so yeah um, oh, Kev, can we open a bookstore together? Oh, I would love awesome. to. I would love to. <laughs> oh, bookstore, maybe like a just, little cafe. Just sit there the all corner. day and be like, "What are you into? Yeah. How, how can I guide you through your journey?" On uh, because because I need someone to guide me through a journey, mm-hmm. really, because I, I haven't read enough, and no one's read enough, really. There's so many darn books out there. Ooh. Book, bookstore slash podcast theater where the book owners like uh, uh, do a po- do a live reading of a podcast uh, in front of an audience and then we've got like uh, copies of the book that we're reading and turn it into a whole big thing. I love this idea. Let's do it. Yes, I think we- I think that would be wonderful. Yeah. Oh. 
virtual. And, 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 well, and then that's what we would do on like our website or whatever is just have links to like you know get this book, get this book. Yeah, we talked about it exactly, and have Ooh, like that's an idea. yeah, stream our our podcast live, and just uh, we can have a little <laughs> like uh, a little feed of uh, fans like chiming in with things and. It's you know if if Chapter Brothers uh, balloons out and becomes something bigger, then that's what we'll do. I love it. I think you two should just move out to Seattle, and uh, that would be cool. I would love. We that. can get a bookstore out here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's plenty of open like real estate that if we okay but we'll talk about this off the uh, podcast but anyway right. but so, so going back case. to the book so point summer being, and hot po- oh, actually wait no just to go back to your point i do oh, agree before. with you that stephen king as a young writer you know with like toddler to uh almost you know kindergarten age maybe like first or second grade kids wouldn't know how an actual 11 year old would speak like he's imagining oh well when i you know mm, some other kids might just sort of not say anything or blah 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 blah. whereas now 2003 Uh he's not only looking at his children as they grew up but he's also uh some of those kids uh, i assume have grandchildren so i feel like he would be kind of seeing how younger kids speak nowadays as well so 2003 yeah 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 you're absolutely right mm. I, I i just didn't recognize that that difference as i was because I, like i listen to it and then read the original and and sometimes i don't pick up little things like that and that was a big thing it was, that was like two paragraphs of mm. um oh man or really it's just that one sentence gotta gotta catch up with that tower so so what the frig is the tower kevin I want to know, uh, Stephen. Let me know. What is this tower? Are you ex- <laughs> are you asking? Uh, metaf- I want to get there rhetorically. Or are you yes? Okay, rhetorically. Yes. I-, I won't answer because yes. <laughs> I was gonna, I was about to be <laughs> no, like, no, no, no. Don't me- tell me the answer. No, I was. Don't tell me the. I was answer. about to I say was, I'm gonna go back into the book question. and see what answers we've already given. But no, okay. Well, we'll find out later. Uh, okay, so, mm, well, of answers we've already been given. Um, they said it's a nexus of space time or something, and um, oh, was was there something in one of the uh, visions uh, or the oracle said something? Right, mm. the man in black will take you to the tower or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was the other. Yeah, the let's see, because the tower stands at a kind of power nexus in time. Uh, uh, I think that's the most specific kind of uh, answer we've got here. Uh, I could have sworn the Oracle said something. But... Hold on. Tower, the Man in Black. Because uh, you, you got the Kindle out, right? Can't, I do. Just, like, that's what I'm, I'm looking through. Dark yeah. Tower or Tower. There aren't actually as many references as I would have thought. Um, the Oracle just kind of says, when you meet the Man in Black, you will talk about the Tower. That's the only time she actually mentions the oh, tower. Okay. Uh, we'll just talk about the tower. Yeah, that's basically it. Uh, that, as far as what the oracle says, and the well, but he clearly mentioned something to Jake for Jake to have said that. Oh yeah, um, yeah. He well, he told Jake that the dark tower stands at a power nexus in time, and he's like, "Oh sure, go go for, go to your tower yeah. and nap, jerk." Mm. <laughs> you create something like inward singing <laughs> thank you if you make a tenacious d reference i will catch it 
Okay. All right. So uh, point B. Anyway. anyway. So yes. So Jake is talking back, um, and then Roland doesn't know how to take it. He's just. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, you cracked me. I, I gotta. I gotta focus. All right. All right. So Roland felt his face flush, and when he spoke, his voice was even. That was the last part, I guess, of my growing up. I mean. I never even knew. I never knew any of the parts when they happened. Only later did I know that. So finally, we're back to the part uh, from the original where, and then, uh, so that whole, you know, the invisible man, the, you know, uh, all that stuff is added in. So in any case, he realized with some unease that he was avoiding what the boy wanted to hear. Uh, And the original just says he realized he was avoiding. So... I suppose the coming of age was part of it, he said, almost grudgingly. It was formal, almost stylized, like a dance. He laughed unpleasantly. Um, so here we got uh, one of a major subtraction that is interesting, because in the original it goes on to say... Yeah, uh, yeah go ahead. Why don't you read what the original has? It was formal, almost stylized, like a dance. He laughed unpleasantly, like love. Love and dying have been my life. The boy said nothing. Oh, okay. So that's where the boy said nothing. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Because, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, honestly... So, love and dying have been my life. Yeah. They and took I, that out. That's a I, subtraction. I okay. really like that, though. I really like that <laughs> sentence of just love and dying. It's either those... And that's all he has to offer is just either love or killing people. Or people dying around me. Or people who loved me I kill. Or me killing people or, or just the people that I love end up uh, getting killed. So I feel like just that swirl of those two words. Hmm? So, so that's one of my least favorite subtractions. Agreed. Yeah. I've got to say so far, like I was like, why would you take that line out? Yeah. That's, that's such a great, great line. line too. Love and, die. and that's why the boys said nothing. Love and dying have been my life and boys like, me too. Mm. I feel, you know? Yeah, I feel like that's a very pointed. Silence. Except he didn't really have love. The boy never, the boy never had love. Yeah, from his family or anybody. Oh, she's just dying. Exactly. Yeah. And oh I, man, he shouldn't have taken that line out. But it's fine. It's true. It's a great quote. <laughs> I gotta say, love and dying have been my life. Oh. Love it. Oh man, that's like a tattoo. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm sure. I'm sure people got that tattooed on their skin and then read, read later editions. And they're like, "What the hell?" And they're just searching for the oh, no. their they tattoo. Took that out. He took it out. <laughs> oh no! I tattooed Lopty Neck on my neck. I thought it was clever, and then they took it out of Return of the Jedi. Come on! Yup, nub forever. <laughs> <laughs> yup, nup. He chopped you. Oh no. Chip to it. Yup, nup. This is the kind of content people Anyway. Yeah, I guess. Or not. Maybe that's when they turn it off. Who knows? Point B. So summer and hot. Indeed. We're back to another flashback that in the new version is, uh, thankfully we've got some Roman numerals in between sections. The old version, Stephen King just wants you to barrel straight through. So (laughs) summer and hot. Actually, I think in the old version, there was a Roman numeral before the first major flashback when he's talking about, uh, hacks. No, no, I I got no, I got no Roman numerals, Uh, but this would be Roman numeral four IV. 
in, um, in the new version. Now, right? Correct, yes. In the new version, right? Summer and hot. August had come to the land like a vampire lover, killing the land and the crops of the tenant farmers, turning the fields of the castle city white and sterile. In the west, some miles distant and near the borders that were the end of the civilized world, fighting had already begun. All reports were bad. All of them paled before the heat that rested over this place of the center. Cattle lolled, empty-eyed in the pens of the stockyards. Pigs grunted listlessly, unmindful of knives wetted for the coming fall. People whined about taxes and conscription, as they always have. But there was an emptiness between the apathetic passion play of politics. The center had frayed like a rag rug that had been washed and walked on, and shaken, and hung and dried. So many ends. The lines and nets... The, the lines and nets of mesh which held the last jewel at the breast of the world were unraveling. Things were not holding together. The earth drew in its breath in the summer of the coming eclipse. Holy crap! The center cannot hold. <laughs> Things fall I, apart. I just... I was just trying to read that whole thing, like, like all in one go, because, like, there's so much, like, wonderful um, uh, alliteration in there and just um, assonance and consonants. Like, that's, like a prose version of a, a poem oh yeah yeah stephen of. king loves poetry <laughs> yeah and that's uh, yeah, yeah. yeah um so yeah it's just i mean so much like so summer is like a vampire the let's see people are just kind of going about their daily lives kind of listlessly the the cattle are basically people are being compared to cattle uh the people whining mm -hmm. about taxes and conscription so the <laughs> yeah the center had freed like a rag rug that was washed and walked on and shaken and hung and dried so it's just the like it it kind of feels almost like it's the end of things just not only through this rebellion but also just from being worn down by the erosion of time so mm -hmm. yeah i love that the, uh, the, the emptiness but emptiness beneath the apathetic passion play of politics like mm. like like that's a, that's a rap right there it's true really... it's very staccato <laughs> And so we've got uh, some interesting changes here and there. So just to start off, instead of August, he calls it Full Earth, just to make it a little bit more fantasy, uh, rather than having all okay. of the same name of months. So and then he says, came to like a vampire lover that year, killing the land and the crops. So I guess just making it a little bit more specific that it was not every August uh, comes to it, uh, killing the land and whatnot. Um, so turning the fields of the castle city of gilead white and sterile so kind of uh bringing back just uh the terms of you know calling it gilead and whatnot um and an interesting change here i feel like in this paragraph stephen king is almost looking at typos and kind of did, like almost analyzing them himself because in the original version it says uh all of them palled before the heat that rested over this place and then in the new version he says all of them paled to insignificance because i feel like palled i feel like a pall is a noun isn't it it's not a verb like did i pronounce that incorrectly no 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 you did that's what it's supposed to oh, or did you say paled um well it's spelled p-a-l-l-e-d which is correct that's what I think i've it's got like, here yeah, yeah like I, I, it, it pales in comparison to like it so it it, it means it's like um 
Oh, like like a Paul Paul Bearer, like Paul, like like white. Is that something to do with it? So, so like the fact that it's like, but I don't know if I'm I'm saying it correctly. No, um, you. I mean, the, let's look it up. I feel like you're making the connection that Stephen King wanted you to make in the original version, like Paul Paul Bearer cast a pall over things, whereas yeah. that's not actually what the word means, because. What I'm, the, the, oh, palled? Yeah, the definition no. I'm looking up is he palled around with his buddies. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm. I re- yeah. So all reports are bad. All of them palled before the heat that rested over this place of the center. No, but like I, mm. I think that is what Stephen King is kind Pallid, of like doing. Hmm? So, so they're saying that the uh, it. it I, I'm confused. No, I, but, I guess I don't understand the, the etymology of that uh, phrase. No, but that's the thing that, like, I feel like it was actually a typo that he he meant like he was thinking cast a pall over things, but palled isn't actually a word. Like palled around <laughs> with is a word, but I mean there wasn't there wasn't spell check on his typewriter, but if there were that you know it would have still counted as a word. But so then yeah, but in the new did version keep that in the. Okay. So then in the new version, version, it says all of them paled to insignificance before the heat that rested. So he changed it a little bit. And then in a little bit. It's still spelled the same way P A L L E D. No, no, no. In the new version, it says P A L E D. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that would make sense to me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. As I was reading, I was like, what was he saying here? Hmm. Okay. So I feel like that's a good change just to kind of keep the actual meaning of the word. But and then in this in the next one he almost kind of goes in the opposite direction. Uh, so pigs grunted lustlessly instead of listlessly. So they they okay grunted. that's different. Yeah, that's a whole Wait. different word. <laughs> so lustlessly. Yeah. So uh, like they have they have no lust exactly for anything. Pigs grunted lustlessly, <laughs> and he doubles down on it, unmindful of the sows and sex and knives wedded for the coming fall. So if we're going with this comparison that he's comparing the the cattle and the pigs to the people who live in Gilead, he's saying that not only are people unmindful of, you know, the the destruction that's coming towards them, but they're also not even like having sex with each other or anything. Like the people are there, just becoming just n- yeah, no good. It's it the apathy is set in so that their you know their lives have become sort of dull and lifeless. So there must be more than this provincial life. Exactly. That's sorry. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. Yes. <laughs> Howard Ashby. But yeah, uh, it's just people going about their day with like, oh, there's a big castle on the hill, and that guy's in charge. But we'll just fucking keep yeah. wallowing in the mud over here and just living. Yeah. It, it's Pacing like in uh, circles and circles Monty, over and over. Monty Python. The, the Holy exactly. Grail, the people who are just, you know... <laughs> he must oh, be a king. A... <laughs> he hasn't got shit all over him. <laughs> <laughs> so, people whined about taxes and conscription. In the new version, it says, as they always did. In the old version, it says, like they always have. So I was doing a little bit of a grammar deep dive of trying to figure out what oh. is... Like, what's the difference between they always did versus they always have? And I feel like they always have implies an ongoing sort of thing. Like, just like they always yeah. have. And the with the implied and they always will. 
Uh, whereas, and they always mm-hmm. did, implies much more of a past tense of like, just like they always used to do. So I feel like changing it to they always did kind of gives you a much more of a, this is a society that no longer exists. And these people, they always did complain about taxes and conscription. They sure aren't anymore because there aren't any more of them. So. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. They that's have. Yeah. So, so they, they've given up. Yeah. They're beaten down. Exactly. The gunslingers have beaten them down. Well, not only... On. I wouldn't even say the wow, gunslingers Wow, this is did. such an important paragraph right Exactly. Here. Like, we might have just, like... Because <laughs> that's like, the thing, like... It, when we were talking before we were recording today, like, just on text, I was like, all right, not much really happens here, but a lot... Is, there's a lot of subtext mm. that is going on throughout the, these just couple pages. You know? Exactly. Because it really gives us more of a view of... What is the name of this land? Magus? Gilead. Is, no? Gilead. Gilead. Okay, okay. And and what was King's Tower? Is that was something else? Uh, King's no? Town uh, is a different place, yeah. King's Town. I mean, technically, oh, they're all King. They're all Stephen King's girl. towns, but... Oh, yeah, that's why he calls it that. Right? <laughs> wow, I am slow on the uptake on things. <laughs> True. The... <laughs> like, King's Town. Oh, I wonder if that's a reference to, like, Jamaica or something. Okay, hmm. uh... Rhode Island. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, that's probably No, his name is Stephen King, you fool. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like this read-through, I've been much more mindful of all the Kings and all the Stevens. Just to... Because I feel like um, it becomes more a thing. his dad's name is Stephen, right? Uh, Yeah, Roland's father's name is Stephen. Yeah, exactly. But it's with a V, right? Didn't we say that? Ooh, I think you're right. Um... (laughs) Now I've got to go back because uh, I don't know if in the original he names his father Stephen because I think that's a 2003 change of giving his father the name of Stephen. Oh no, it did, it, that did not say that in the original. Exactly. I, I remember yeah. you bringing that up when I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" He says his dad's name. Nice. Indeed. So, but yeah, that's. I feel like that's Stephen King all over. Is that you know. He has great plots and he has great like action pieces, but the stuff that your eye kind of like skims over when you're reading it the first time, when you dive into it, there's so much more substance there that you didn't even realize. Yeah. Uh, oh, because like, like, so, so this whole paragraph is opening this world to us of, hmm. of the past, of, exactly. w- of where Roland is coming from, of what the gunslingers are, and, yeah. and, and what they've done to these people. Yeah, who, it's exposition me, through metaphor. Are the rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he's all through metaphor of of pigs and and cows and pigs and cows, a vampire stealing from the land and the civilization that they live on. Cattle lolled empty eyed. Mm. Cattle lolled empty eyed is it's like that's such a just like a whatever. Exactly. This is what I do. Yeah. Calling people sheep. Precisely. (laughs) So, I mean, I feel like and then the civilization that they live on is a frayed rug that's just been washed and walked on and shaken and hung and dried. And so many people have walked on it that it's eroding beneath them. The the yeah. the thread that held oh. the last jewel at the breast of the center was unraveling and things are not holding together. And so it's the, just the, yeah. those two those two sentences took me uh, two, two tries to get through because. It, it, it's very well written, but I wasn't prepared for it. <laughs> Precisely. Because, yeah. and that's why oh, I kind of such... wanted to pause here a little bit more because I feel like because we're doing this deeper dive into this book, that 
the things that you naturally like most of the time when I was uh, in grammar school, I used to like kind of just speed read and I would just try to like mm-hmm. prove, oh, I'm so smart. I can get through the Ivanhoe in, you know, two weeks or whatever. To this day, I cannot tell you a single word of the plot of Ivanhoe. <laughs> <laughs> but but you read it. I <laughs> technically job. read it. Exactly. <laughs> but now those words went into your brain and yeah. right out the other ear hole. I don't even know if they went into my brain. <laughs> the, the words were my eyes looked at those words and I flipped past the pages. That's all I can really say for Ivanhoe hell but that's the whole point of like kind of reading books more just to for the substance of them and that's why this book which is technically short it's barely 300 pages but i feel like we're we're going into it with this detail so that we can kind of like almost swim in this book and kind of get like such a exactly get a, a deeper understanding of everything that's going on because i feel like this book deserves it yeah. So, well, yeah. I think all writing deserves it, really. Yeah. You know, it, when you think about it, not all <laughs> okay, writing. <laughs> maybe not all writing. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, anybody could write anything. And but th- there's one I'm going to call you out for. There's no need to apologize. <laughs> Good writing. <laughs> Good writing. Good writing deserves it. But yeah, um, you know what I mean. I do. I do. So in any case, Good writing, so... according to us, according to Kevin and Nick's. Ooh, yes, uh, I like that. Writing that you like deserves it. I will I will stick with that because everything is subjective. And, you know, there, you yeah. might say that certain writing... I mean, there are certainly, objectively, some books that are better written than others. But what it all comes down to is... I don't even know if there's anything that is objectively better written because it's you're going by someone else's opinion and that person might have a better you know a higher a more advanced literary degree or they might be a professional author or something but if one person Mm -hmm. likes it and they can talk to another person who likes it then maybe those bad books become the good books later on like i mean shakespeare has just picked up uh you know like an avalanche going down downhill because it's lasted this long and i'm sure there were plenty of playwrights at the time who may have thought that shakespeare was crap and now we just you know we go <laughs> into it with such detail like, exactly this shakespeare guy sucks yeah. like, why do they keep giving him a contract mm. at the globe what the exactly. hell i'm Spencer. give me a chance <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is Edmund Spencer's person? I don't know. Marlowe's a guy. Yeah, Christopher Marlowe, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna made made up that name. <laughs> but yeah, oh, yeah. But, but yeah, I so feel like that this is. is uh, I feel like this, this is will, why we like the books we like. Precisely, you know? it's it's all about and, and you like them for whatever reason you have. You you have your own opinion, and mm. it's great to have an opinion. Indeed, you know. So just because uh, that's dig what you dig and, and and really dig into it. Yeah, like what you like. <laughs> that's been kind of the my my motto as an adult. Because when I was in grammar school and high school and even college, I became such an elitist and such a snob about like, oh well, this these are the best albums. So then I'll only buy these or these are the best books so i'm gonna buy all of these and try and read through this and prove that i'm really smart because i can read these books really fast and meanwhile 
did I like any of what I was reading? No. Did I, did any of it stick into my mind? No. But it was the best books and I had them on my shelf. So I was proving that I was smart. Whereas now I'm kind of looking back <laughs> over and being like, you know what? Return of the Jedi is my favorite. It's not the best of Star Wars, but it's just the most <laughs> fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that you brought it right back to that. Bringing it back around. Uh, yes, totally. <laughs> so, um, so, so yeah, I, I, went the opposite way and and i also dig return of the jedi mm. so um yub nub forever um, um so i did the opposite way um growing up because i only read things that i was assigned to hmm. and like um reading wasn't fun and i just wanted to play sports and stuff it wasn't until i got older that i really um was like, oh, I want to read these books. And it's like, but I have to read a book that, like, is is something that I know I can I digest. I I, I would say, you know, ADD is, is a thing. Definitely. You know? <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I have it, but it's, I have some symptoms. Odds um, so are. I feel like tough for me. both of us so, might have either So, ADD like, us ADHD. reading this 300-page this book super slow is, like, perfect for me. Hmm. <laughs> it's like, Nick, I need you to focus on these four pages okay i got it yeah. let's do it yeah exactly and I, I love that we're just coming from opposite ends of the spectrum and it's so great <laughs> because yeah and you just want to like consume the whole thing mm. and i'm like oh my god i need to like just focus for two seconds okay oh there's a hummingbird outside <laughs> you know we actually do have hummingbirds oh nice great. oh i love hummingbirds yeah yeah very cool to see. True. Yeah, that's, uh, that's I did actually... a whole report on them in college. It was fun. Nice. Yeah, that's actually something that yeah. Cynthia like got really mad at me at one point. Like she was like talking to me like a really serious conversation and whatever. And then all of a sudden I look out the window. I was like, is that a bird? And then she was like, ah, pay attention for ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, that's how I read. Yeah, that's uh, and that's how we're going through this. It is, uh, <laughs> and not to I mean, mention you how we're like getting stop there? spiraling out into <laughs> tangents. But uh, so yes, yeah, I don't know. Trying uh, to get us back on, oh, back, yeah, on we're, we're, okay, back on target. We're okay. Back on target. Stay on target. Uh, Some of uh, the coming eclipse. Okay, um, but then uh, okay. okay so now, a couple of, he, he's before going, we get there, okay. before we get there, uh, there's okay. a couple more changes. So just wanted to point out that he swapped around the word order of. Um, Apathy and emptiness uh, at one point where he says, uh, but there was an emptiness beneath the apathetic passion play of politics in the original. And the new version, he says, there was an apathy beneath the empty passion play of politics. So it's just interesting, you know, kind of the flip flop there. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Instead of changing apathetic politics, it became... You know, instead of emptiness Emptiness. about the apathetic politics, it becomes an apathy about the empty passion play of politics. So I feel like it almost kind of says instead of like the people being apathetic about no, the people being having an emptiness about the politics that are apathetic, it becomes the people are apathetic about the politics that are empty. And I feel like that makes more sense to me. Like, do you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that makes sense. But I, I, I think uh, just lyrically, it makes more sense to put a, uh, oh, apathetic before emptiness because emptiness, p- passion play, like it flows. It, I, I think you just thought it flowed better together. And, and totally true as well. Yeah. Like, 
what is it? Yeah, yeah. The, I, and uh, not to mention, I feel like it's slightly, slightly tighter. Like an apathy beneath the empty passion play of politics, as opposed to an emptiness beneath the apathetic passion play of politics. So, basically, going from passion play, passion play, Kevin Jethro Tull. What yes. Is- so back to the freaking Bible again. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, my mind went straight to Jethro Tull. Sorry. Uh, oh, wait, what, what Jethro Tull song? There's a Jethro Tull album called Passion Play, but uh, oh, oh, it's the name of an album. Yeah. Uh, let me. <laughs> but yes, Passion Play. As far as the Bible, we did a church every year. Uh, you know, give us Barabbas. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, what, didn't we have to, like, do something? Exactly, As yeah. The, there were lines I, I, and all. I, I forgot. Oh, God. Yeah, we had to, like, speak. Uh, it was like a whole... It was a literal play yeah. that we put on. Exactly, and different About people would take turns. Yeah, one person would play Jesus. One person Flogging? would play Pontius Pilate. Oh, you have to wear the crown of thorns this year. There was an actual crown of thorns. You remember that? We're the, I mean, I don't know if we ever did, like, the Stations of the Cross as far as that whole... We never, like, staged a passion play. This is the word of the cross on which all... Anyway. Indeed. Father <laughs> Phil would walk through right? with, a, with a great big cross, yeah. Uh, but let me see. What I... it, it was a very somber... So, so, so oh, that's yeah. what's going on here. The passion play—it's—it's it's extremely somber. Like, I, I'm sorry that I'm making light of the passion of the Christ because this person was actually put to death. That—that mm-hmm. that happened, right? Mm-hmm. That was a historical thing. Um, yeah, I think it probably so. wasn't white. Yeah, <laughs> right? unlikely. Yeah, definitely yeah. Middle Eastern. Jesus, yeah. Very unlikely a white guy. <laughs> yeah, just so you know. Definitely dark-skinned, um, living in Israel for sure. Yes, and the Romans put him to death for yeah bullshit. Um, anyway, but that that'll be in our Bible podcast, which we might get to someday. maybe <laughs> if Kevin can convince <laughs> you to do something crazy. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be insane. <laughs> Interesting. So, sorry if I'm I'm going on a tangent, but Passion Play, the Jethro Tull album, is staged a much more like uh, kind of operatically. And it's not so much, like, song-related. Um, oh, yeah, Prelude. That's what's on Passion Play. His version of... No, that's Beret. Sorry. Uh, never mind. It's rock and rock. It's a rock, block of rock. That we learned in the school. Because the school of the hard rocks. Yeah. Give it up for KG. Give it up for me. Back to Tenacious Sorry. D. We're yes. not doing Tenacious <laughs> D references anymore. Stop it. Hey, we can do whatever <laughs> references we want. This is our podcast. <laughs> okay, this is true. All right, so the boy idled along the upper corridor of this stone place, which was home, sensing these things, not understanding. He was also empty and dangerous. It had been three years since the hanging of the cook, who had always been able to find snacks for hungry boys, and he had filled out. Now dressed only in faded denim pants, 14 years old, he had already come to the widened chest span and lengthening legs that would characterize his manhood. He was still unbedded, but two of the younger slatterns of a West Town merchant had cast eyes on him. He had felt a response, and felt it more strongly now. Even in the coolness of the passage, he felt sweat on his body. Ahead were his mother's apartments, and he approached them 
incuriously, meaning only to pass them and go upward to the roof, where a thin breeze and the pleasure of his hand awaited. Yeah, let's just pause there. Uh, so definitely, so Roland is a 14-year-old <laughs> boy. He noticed a few girls in the street. Oh, no, is that what's that happening? That is what's happening, yes. He, he oh, thought about okay. them even uh, more now. He feels sweat on his body, and he's going to the roof to jerk off. <laughs> oh, I see what's happening. Okay, now that makes so much more sense for what happened later on okay exactly (laughs) i didn't get that you see that's an example of just like power through reading and like not actually ingesting what you're reading exactly yeah he's going to to (laughs) we both were 14 year old boys yeah (laughs) choke the chicken exactly (laughs) what is it bobbing the bishop beating the bishop but yes (laughs) so yes sir so a couple of changes there, but not where you think. There was a, uh, there was a, a whole night of karaoke where I was just doing songs about masturbation yes. just to see if people would like. <laughs> would notice the, the, the through line, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, definitely I, I think I started with... sometimes a fantasy. Uh, Billy Joel. Oh, I didn't do that one. Mm. Uh, let's see, uh, I Touch Myself by the see, Divinals. Uh See, I was going to do that next. I didn't do that one either. Mm. That's like one still of the got very like ends when you want to <laughs> let people know. There's a lot of songs about, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> doing the deed. Uh, 8675309. Um, really? Yeah. Jenny, Jenny I got Jenny. your number. Really? Yeah, it's all about phone sex. Yeah. Well, phone sex. I, I was saying just masturbation mm. in general. Well, I mean, what are you um, doing at a phone sex hotline? Yeah, yeah. Um, True. Uh, oh, yeah, turning that's, Japanese. That's, that's what you one. would do. Turning Japanese. That's a, damn it. You've got more than I. Okay, so I, <laughs> I started with dancing with songs. myself. Yeah, <laughs> dancing yeah, with myself is a uh, good one. <laughs> um, and I did. Uh, uh, what's it called? Longview. Yep. Um, Definitely. Sit around and, and watch, watch the, the tube. Nothing's on. Nothing's on. True, yeah. Over Don't Zoom, there's the delay, so it's hard to sing at the same time. <laughs> um, Captain Jack was the was the Billy Joel song I was thinking. Captain Jack's another good one, yeah. What, yeah, yeah. And uh, there was one more, I forget. Anywho, Anywho. so that's what Martin was doing. No, uh, that's not what Martin, Roland uh, was about Roland. to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, oh, you got stopped. He said, wait, you, wait, wait, boy. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, there's a couple of changes in there. So oh, okay. in the original, uh, I mean, in the new version, it says he was also dangerous and empty waiting to be filled as opposed to empty and dangerous, period. So interesting that not only is it kind of kind of highlighting what the emptiness of his uh, his point of view. So almost sort of like saying mm-hmm. that Roland is kind of a blank canvas at this point and he's just waiting for something and then uh, as he's going upstairs to you know just have a little one-on-one time with himself uh martin comes out and kind of grabs him and gives him purpose so oh, okay I, I see what happened I, I thought he was going to his mother's apartment no he was going to he was going to the roof rub one out yeah exactly yeah yeah i, I got you that's that's what he does up there and <laughs> so and then we go into a little bit more about how roland has gone through his growth growth spurts uh in the new version it says roland had lengthened and filled out both at shoulder and hip now, dressed only in faded denim pants, 14 years old, he had come to look like the man he would become, lean and lank and quick on his feet. 
So took kind of took out the broad chestedness and just saying he's broad shouldered, but kind of Roland is a little bit he's a little bit V shaped. He's he's got broad shoulders mm-hmm. and he's very tall, but he's not so much with the broad chestedness. Um yeah. kind of changing your internal kind of picture of how Roland looks a little bit. So that almost uh, feels it like kind a of reminds me of, of myself at fourteen. Mm, I can so. see that, yeah. <laughs> lanky. Lanky. Indeed. A bit lanky. Indeed. Long-armed <laughs> and sh- uh, short torsoed. <laughs> gangly? Gangly. Even? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Where do you go from lanky to gangly? Hmm. I would say <laughs> gangly is definitely, I would say, a thinner and less muscular version of lanky. Lanky, you, you've you got some, like, lanky, I would feel like, is closer to wiry. Like, yeah. lanky, they're both well, thin. Be, I mean, and Sylvan right now is, is 15, so he's a... Uh... True, he's, he's getting sort taller. Of like, just, just sort of like that, all arms and legs and stuff. Mm. And he's just sort of... We were actually talking about the other day. He's like, I don't know if this is how tall I'll get or if I'll get taller. I was like, I don't know. You're, you're getting closer to me now, but I'm also getting shorter. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we are, we've begun the decline. <laughs> well, I actually have... One of my legs is longer than the other. It's stupid hip replacement. I feel like thing, mine too. would mine might be too. I wonder if that's a genetic thing. That's why Matt had to get his hip replaced too. Maybe. Yeah, might be. Just a genetic thing. Yeah, because yeah, I definitely... Pop-up did too. True. Like, I definitely like, whenever, like, you know how when, like, bad weather comes up, somebody says, I can feel it in my hip. Like, I definitely, my right hip and my left knee always ache. So I wonder if that's like a, your left knee is like taking on more of the strain because your right leg is a little bit shorter, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, hmm. we're just we're just too darn gangly. Indeed, but yeah. So then that's that. Yeah, that's anyway, the only change in had, that category. Had, Paragraph. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Uh, so this was another idea of like, what is this voice going to be? You know Ooh, what Martin? I mean? Like Ooh, I've been yeah. trying to. Try, yeah. Like what's what's Martin's voice? <clears throat> Because he's different than the man in black. He he's is, not the yeah. man in black. Right. This is a different guy. Um, <clears throat> he had passed the door when a voice called him. You! Boy! It was Martin, the enchanter. I, I don't know if that's too harsh. See, I would have would have gone in the opposite direction. Like, if the man in black is, harsher. like, sardonic and sort of, like... I would imagine, like, if the man you, in black is a tenor, boy. like... Yeah, exactly. I would think Martin is more of, okay, like, okay. a base. Yeah, you boy, okay, okay. yeah, I, he's slow. Yeah, right, I got, I got, I got it now. Yeah, Martin I got is patient. <clears throat> Martin is the enchanter by the guy's side. <clears throat> well, I, I, also, I just thought he caught him whacking off, so maybe he was like shouting at him, like, "Hey, you boy!" No, 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 Wait, he hadn't started yet. He was going up you, to the roof. Yeah, boy. There's also periods, not exclamation points, there, so I, I shouldn't be shouting. True, exactly. Like, and certainly not uh, all capital letters or anything. <laughs> yeah, that, it's true. There's no exclamation point there. Yeah, precisely. So, so I, you, boy. It was Martin, the enchanter. He was dressed with a suspicious, upsetting casualness. Black whipcord trousers, almost as tight as leotards, and a white shirt opened halfway down his chest. His hair was tussled. The boy looked at him silently. Come in, come in. Don't stand in the hall. Your mother wants to speak to you. He was smiling with his mouth, but the lines of his face held a deeper, more sardonic humor. Beneath that, there was only coldness. 
All right, Kev, any changes there? A couple. So in the new version, instead of the enchanter, Martin becomes the counselor. So he goes from being, yeah, 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 so he goes from being kind of a Merlin figure to just sort of being Tom Hagen. Uh, so kind of the conciliary. He's a conciliary. Exactly. So, and then also we changed uh, a white shirt, opened up halfway down his hairless chest. To, so just kind of implying that Martin is either is just naturally hairless or he does some shaving, who knows. But... Yeah, so beneath that and in his eyes, there was only coldness. So definitely kind of like underlining the fact that Martin is a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Only coldness. Mm. Oof. So, Ugh, I don't like that. He's Rasputin. Rasputin. Really exactly. Rasputin, I, I feel like, is the, the stronger uh, <laughs> comparison. Yeah. Not only is he uh, the the betrayer at the the king's side, but he's also sleeping with the queen. Mm-hmm. So. And, and just in it for his own means, and not not for really the country, mm. uh, or I don't know, or is, is he trying to infiltrate from? Like, is he part of this rebel cell of pigs and cattle lolling? in the woods? I uh, forget. <laughs> I forget if it's in the new version or the old version, but. In one of them, I mean, I know it's in the old version, but I forget if it's also in the new version. But originally, it explicitly says that Martin is John Farson, the leader of the rebellion against the gunslingers. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so Martin is yeah. the leader. Exactly. So, so, so Martin, maybe Martin is is really the hero in this story. Eh. <laughs> I mean, is he? I, oh, I mean, this here's where we get down to the certain point of view, uh, like point, like part of the From story. From a certain point of view, exactly. Because if we're thinking, okay, if we're thinking in terms of the way I've always read the book, that Roland is the protagonist, so therefore uh, Martin must be the antagonist. Then uh, Martin is just sleeping with Roland's mother just for mischief. And oh, actually, I mean, technically, it hasn't said it in the book yet, but. I mean, at that, in a few paragraphs, they make it pretty clear that that's what happened. But point being, um, yeah, yeah. so Martin <laughs> is just kind of corrupting the kingdom from within, starting this rebellion to destroy everything. And he just wants an end to civilization in general because he serves the ultimate bad guy who just wants to destroy the universe. But if we're looking at it from the point of view of maybe the gunslingers are the bad guys, then maybe Martin, AKA John Farson is starting this rebellion and he's not only trying to, you know, raise the people to take okay, down. Okay, Kevin, yeah, Kevin, go ahead. Kevin, I, I need to stop you for just one second. You're bringing up John Farson. That's a, that's a new name. Is it for me? No, I thought he was I in. feel like it comes later on. No, 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 no. John Farson is from... That, that, hang on. John uh, Farson. They said, they said that in uh, the way station somewhere? Or? What? Do they not have it in the new version? Interesting. So, hang on. Uh, really? Hold on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just don't want you to go too far in your... your uh, <laughs> explanation here because no. it might tell me too too much that i haven't learned yet no. oh no no it, it was said it was said yes in and it is in the new version uh the Pax? yeah by martin known in some quarters as farson the good man 
Oh, you're right. The good man. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Farson is the good man. Uh, I guess uh, he wasn't specifically John Farson in the the original, um, or maybe just this book. Maybe they call him John Farson in book four. But in any case, um, so where was I? Um, ten. But his, his mother did not want to see him. Correct. His mother did not want she to see him. She sat in the low back chair by the large window in the central parlor of apartments, the one which overlooked the hot plank stone of the central courtyard. She was dressed in a loose blah, 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 yada, yada. I, we don't have to read all this. Exactly, yeah. But basically, it's just, I feel like because he's over-describing, it means he's not looking at his mother. He's like, oh, she's looking out this window, which looks at this other thing, which looks at this other thing. Like, Roland is yeah. kind of spiraling. Literally. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, um, he, he said he felt an amorphous fear and and an uncoalesced hatred for Martin. Yeah. His father's right hand man, or was it the other way around, mm. was born. And of course, there had already been some backstreet talk, talk which he honestly th- thought he hadn't heard. True. That one's actually a subtraction. That one, I I like that sentence a lot, and he took it out of the new version, but um, I feel like it says... Oh, he took that out. Yeah, he took that one out, because I feel like that sounds like something that a child of a, like, whose mother was having an affair would would that would say like there was talk that he honestly thought he hadn't heard like he had repressed this kind of stuff like that he had heard like oh your mom's sleeping with blah 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 and like he would have kind yeah, of yeah. kind of wiped it from his brain yeah so yeah i um, definitely like that wait i just noticed a, a, an addition um um when he says uh he saw her seldom now in the phantom of cradle songs chusset chisset chasset exactly like <laughs> so that that was a little addition right? mm. so let's see <clears throat> yeah uh to go back uh so he changed it from uh i think originally it just says but she did his mother didn't want to see him and then the new version it says in truth his mother didn't want to see him uh yada 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 mm. like an autumn sun on a rill of water as opposed to like an autumn sun on a Go? Like an autumn sun on a well, on stream water. Of, well, okay. A little later, uh, and then also he added in she was dressed in a loose informal gown, and then added in that kept slipping from one white shoulder. So just another kind of huh. adding in a little bit more to kind of <laughs> double. These two the, are having sex with each other precisely. Just so you know, yeah, he does. It's two thousand three. <laughs> Stephen King doesn't want anybody to be confused about what's going what just happened here that yeah <laughs> just want you to know <laughs> this i haven't made it clear yeah. enough i don't want to be gross but this is what happened <laughs> uh so yeah so and then uh, another change we've got uh the inchoate hatred i just love that phrase but that's that is in both versions um oh no uncoalesced hatred sorry um uncoalesced hatred coalesced uncoalesced mm. so Ooh, that, that's actually, a funny uh yes like that was backwards, a uh antonym mm. yeah uh in the original it un-coalesced. says yeah in the original he says an uncoalesced hatred for martin so uncoalesced means kind of like 
It hadn't fully formed, and so it was just sort of swirling there, but he he felt it without knowing that it was there. But then in the new version, it says an inchoate hatred. And I feel like just oh. the the word, like the, the word, um, what's the I, I, word? What, what, I don't know that word at all. Inchoate. I-N-C-H-O-A-T-E? It means the same thing. Uh, just begun and so not fully formed or developed. Rudimentary. Uh, yeah. So same thing, but I feel like the, the connotation, that's what I was looking for. The connotation is so much yeah. harsher for inchoate versus uncoalesced. Like uncoalesced, yeah. I feel like it's a softer word. Inchoate, it just sounds harder and more harsh. It is a, ha- a harder word with a, a hard T. Yeah. Uncoalesced. Uncoalesced makes me makes me think of like water swirling, and whereas inchoate makes me think of just like or a rock that hasn't been fully uh, kind of uh, eroded yet and still has sharp edges. Oh, is it, is that the etymology of it? Uh, but, what's um, there's a word that's making me think of that. Uh, like in, there's a geology term that's it. like that. There's some sort of a geology word that's bringing inchoate to mind. Just just be just begun actually it's much different than non-coalesced um or uncoalesced was that the word coet means finished or complete so inchoate is a that word uh, i mean it's similar i feel like it's a... just just begun basically mm. point being so, either way so, so it, it's basically he he has just begun his hatred for martin here Precisely. It's like an inchoate uh, beginning immature start. Yeah, as we said, at this point, yeah. Roland was empty and waiting to be filled. He had no purpose. So he kind of was going about like the, the cattle and the pigs that are around, that he was just going through the motions. He was going, he was being taught by court because it's what his father taught him to, to told him to do. And then he sees Martin, uh, who had just slept with his mother, and his mother gives a little mm-hmm. bit of, uh, are you well, Ro? And she's kind of just making small talk and the so that that's an addition oh true calling him row exactly uh, calling him row yeah so it just says are you well mm. so it, it it implies a little bit of tenderness to to give him a, a nickname you know exactly yeah the ooh and there's another subtraction here called him softly oh uh she asked him softly. In the original, she said it says studying her hands. Uh, but then, I guess earlier, it did say that uh, the only time she looked at him was when she said hello. But then... Um... She seems like a broken down woman who is under a spell. That That, that is uh, the way that I felt when I was reading this. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, when you call her uh, Martin the Enchanter, that definitely puts that implication in your mind that he kind of put some sort of a spell on her. So I could see that. But it's interesting that in the new version, he takes away Enchanter. So it kind of puts the agency a little bit more in her court, kind of. Mm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Mm, I see what you mean. But I mean, she could be enchanted in some way. So it's, it's debatable. Um, she doesn't seem happy. Oh God, no, no. She I think is... there's like uh, some sort of mental illness that is going on. I, I, I don't even want to call it illness. Uh, mental uh, 
dysmorphism <laughs> that is going on. Um, I don't know. I mean, I definitely agree that she's unhappy, a hundred percent. And then uh, let's see, but because we didn't really get her. This is the first time we've gotten her point of view because uh, we only got it from um, Roland's father the last time that he was just going into the room or whatever. That's very true. And this then is the maybe first time at the we see ball. Yeah. It, yeah, like this is the first time we're hearing his mother speak. Mm. So, so that's another voice that I. <laughs> I, I was as I was reading this, I was like, "Hmm." And I, I, I'm going to read it from the new one because I, I do like that she says "row." Agreed. Yeah, the, it, she's trying to form a connection with her son here, and I feel like he is kind of putting it around, her at arm's length. So he, he felt an amorphous fear and an inco, inchoate hatred for Martin. His father's closest advisor was born. <clears throat> Are you well, Row? She asked him softly. Martin stood beside her, a heavy, disturbing hand near the juncture of her white shoulder and white neck, smiling on them both. His brown eyes were dark to the point of blackness, was smiling. Yes, he said. Your studies go well? Vanet is pleased. And court? Her mouth quirked at this second name, as if she had tasted something bitter. All right, go ahead. So, yeah, yeah definitely the... so. Added it, the the court and Vanet part uh, is added in. Originally, it was just, "Are you well? Your studies go well?" And then they just like say he just says, "I'm trying," and then and David, uh, and so they only give like a couple of words here and there back and forth because neither one of them wants to be having this conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. But the Vanet and pleased in courts is kind of just. I it feels like Stephen King is kind of just trying to keep your these different characters kind of in your mind. Um, but I, I love the description of a heavy, disturbing hand near the juncture of her white shoulder and white neck. His brown eyes were dark to the point of blackness. So it's very chess yes. pieces, like white is that, good, black is bad. That's yeah. the big thing right there. Ugh. Mm. There, there. There's so much subtext in this in nuance, and this is really the big part I, I was thinking about we were saying that before um because it's like the whole time it's like you say the words i i say otherwise i'm gonna like hurt you because like that that's where like his hand is like on her neck have you seen that meme where it's like a guy at like a, a baseball game with this woman next to him and he's like grabbing her behind the neck and like talking really like shoutingly in her face like aggressively um wait hold on one second uh Anyway, it, it seems like that, where, where like, he's uh, very controlling, yeah, very controlling and, and weird and creepy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So basically, yeah. So Roland goes, I'm trying, you know, they both knew he wasn't flashingly intelligent. Uh, so Jamie gets another mention. He's he is not fully eradicated from the yeah. book, but uh, and then added in even Elaine was better at studies. So Roland has a third friend. Uh so earlier it seemed like they always kind of replaced any time they said Jamie, they changed it to Elaine. But now the Jamie uh, Elaine is a third person. So it, it's perhaps uh, the guy in the audiobooks is Alan. Alan? Alan and Cuthbert, just so. To each their own. <laughs> I, I will always say. To each their own. I will always say Cuthbert and Elaine, but you know. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm trying to think of other uh, ways I pronounce things that other people don't. <laughs> oh, I remember. Uh, That's a Colleen story cur- right cur- there. Coruscant for for a long time. Mm. Um, Me too. Bef- before I knew it was Coruscant, it was Coruscant. True. <laughs> yeah, Coruscant. I even pronounced it with like a harder <laughs> New York A, Coruscant. Um, hey, Coruscant. Hey. Oh, come on over. But we, we got the bagels and the and the locks for you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there was a Colleen story of when she was like in eighth grade or something and she was like oh when you when you come up with an idea you have to say viola and somebody was like do you mean voila (laughs) (laughs) that is such a colleen thing oh Mm. my god i do remember that (laughs) (laughs) wait uh voila yeah oh yeah you know how many moments in my life have been me going Oh, I, I, I've been doing that wrong for so long. Me too. I, I did not realize. <laughs> Anywho. Anywho. Um, so, yeah. so he's talking to his mom. Talking to his mom. And, talking and about things are pretty tense. David the Hawk, uh, just to kind of bring him back up again. Yeah. And, then, and he, he looks up at... at she knew uh, his affection for the Hawk. So, Kevin, this is my question, because mm-hmm. a guy was looking at, at, at the cover of the book this beautiful Michael Whalen art correct and uh, from the beginning I thought that was Zoltan the Crow but now I'm wondering if it's David the Hawk could be I feel like David has much more (laughs) plot significance I'll I'll put it that way yeah so yeah okay I think that does make much more sense I would agree that I think it is uh, David it looks like a crow to me it does yeah hawks I feel like their beaks are lighter colored Uh, yeah I mean, there are some black hawks, but no, nah, that's a that's a crow. Anywho, anywho, so and then Roland looks up at Martin. And he's like past his prime, like a little bit of a, a dig of uh, rebellion there. And then his mother seemed to wince. For a moment, Martin's face seemed to darken. His grip on his on her shoulder to tighten. Then she looked out into the hot whiteness of the day, and all was as it had been. It's a char- it's a charade, he thought. A game. Who's playing with whom? And then here's a part that I never actually noticed before. You have a cut on your forehead, and in the original it says you have a scar on your forehead. Scar. So it brings it yes. back to the whole alley scar on her forehead. Jake having a spike through his yes. forehead. So it kind of yes. like I, I I'm starting to think that the scar through the forehead means lost innocence. And Okay. Because I feel like Allie kind of showing that she sort of has no innocence anymore. So she has this dark scar that no matter how much she tries to hide it, it only shows it up more and more. Jake has this scar directly as this like a spike through his head in in his dream and kind of showing how... Uh, he's fearful of Jake's loss of innocence. So now Roland has this scar, has this cut on his forehead in the new version, a scar on his forehead in the original, oh, yeah. and it's kind of showing how scar, his cut. yeah his innocence is kind of being lost as he's seeing his mother having slept with her, her, uh, his father's advisor. So, well, is it also um, it's opening their third eye kind of thing? The scar on your forehead, like I mean, like, like that's another way of you, looking at it. You are starting to see into the the greater uh, picture of what's going on. Now. Yes, I could see I that. Um, like, or or does it mean that they're they're the same freaking person through different timelines and realities? Jake and Roland. <laughs> the, 
Jake and Roland and Allie could be are all the same. Mm, interesting. Or you know, Jake and Roland. I, mean, I don't know. I might agree with you on. I don't know about Allie, but I, I'm I'm digging into the kind of ooh, and that brings in the whole 19 note because they're they're seeing things that they don't want to see. So. Yeah. Whereas with Jake, it's he's being brought into this whole other world. With Roland, he's seeing his mother in a light that he doesn't want to see her in. With Allie, she's seeing she's been exposed to this secret of like what is beyond death. So that's why her mm. you know third eye is being opened there. I like that. So it's the third eye. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Could be both. I, I like the third eye better than them being the same person because that's weird. That is weird. Or, but <laughs> uh, I'm sticking with the loss of innocence uh, uh, symbolism there because I feel like that one goes for all three as well. So it could be both. I like it all. But the point is, it's an important thing. You have a scar on your forehead. Mm. Oh, no. You have a scar on your forehead. Martin said. Right? That's Martin saying that. Martin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then in, in um, added in, still we've got, smiling. Added in, we've got. Are you going to be a fighter just like your father, or are you just slow? This time she did wins. <laughs> He's such a dick. Yeah, but in between there, in the new version, it says, "And pointed a negligent finger on the mark of court's latest. Thank you for this instructive day bashing." And oh yeah, yeah that's court. Yeah, that's sort of oh, like a they, they, that 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 was part of our um, uh, lost episode. Not lost yet. So I, uh, the so episode two, I I do have to re-record because I we we lost the recording. But hopefully by the time uh, this gets released, I will have finally finished uh, you know overdubbing it. So we've been delaying actually releasing the podcast because uh, I've had to re-record so, so you, episode you two. You do have me talking about uh, the the bre- bed and breakfast of uh, Court and Bert. <laughs> Or I think that one might have been lost. <laughs> oh, I forget that. Part. Anyway. Anyway. So no, yes. Uh, well, yeah, that was a long time ago. Court and Burt's Ben Breakfast. Uh, Court's the no nonsense. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Court's the no nonsense owner, and Bert Cuthbert is the uh, the bellboy. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, courts the, the the groundskeeper who's like angrily cleaning up things uh, and he's doing the books yeah, in the back yeah, room whereas uh, Bert exactly. is the one at the front desk like, oh, how can I help you with your stay? <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, I love anyway. That. And, but anyway. David the, David the Hawk is, is in uh, a character also. He, he speaks. Ooh, okay. But he speaks like Sam the Eagle from the Muppets. So, so he's very serious also. So, I, so you've got two deadpan characters. Exactly. But one portrayed through the eye of whimsy as being a, a talking bird. I love it. It's like Archimedes from uh, 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 The Sword in the Stone. Yes. Archimedes is a great character. So in, in any case, okay. uh, so anyway. uh, Roland says both and looks at uh, Martin yada 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 and then martin kind of like he's had enough of this game that he's playing and he's just like you could go to your roof boy i believe you have business there uh and then there was a subtraction i believe you have business there oh so this is a big one but martin had misunderstood underestimated they had been speaking in the low tongue a parody of informality but now the boy flashed into high speech my mother has not yet dismissed me bondsman 
So he he switches into Dumb. the the high speech exactly. Yeah, and <laughs> when, when I was reading this, like it, like the, that dun dun dun. Mm. Like, it's like <laughs> the, and they looked at each other like meaningfully. Oh man, it's great. Yeah, the, the exclamation point. The exclamation point, when used correctly, is very effective. Totally, like this used is too much. Yeah, it used too much. It's too much pepper <laughs> in the stew, but used uh-huh. just enough. Then it's just like a zing all of a sudden. Where uh, and it it comes across as this hard command of my mother has not dismissed me, bondsman. So it's yeah. he's he's using his high rank to try to put Martin back into his place. Like you you showed me this horrible thing I didn't want to see, but I can I am still above you and you are beneath me. Is what that exclamation point says, bondsman. So, which also leads me to believe uh, that uh, Roland's a bad guy. Oh, you think? <laughs> just, just come class on. warfare. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, why are you gonna talk to somebody like that? You're a jerk. I mean, he slept with his mom. Come <laughs> well, on. I mean, he is sleeping with his mom. I, I get that. Uh, yeah. And not only that, but he wanted to shove Roland's face in it. He wanted Roland to know that is an evil thing. Bondsman. Yeah. What, what does a bondsman do? Basically, he, it's a person who you know bound. he kneeled to he, the king. He, he, he is a uh, he's a servant. Yeah, he's yeah, a, okay. yeah, exactly. I got you. So it was just a, a new word word for me. Yeah, Martin's face. Not, twisted. not a fan of James Bond. He, I'm a bondsman. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite Bond? I mean, I'm not a I am not a bondsman whatsoever. Uh, I've never really <laughs> liked any of those. Um, I mean, okay, I if you had to, any. if you had to pick one, uh, Pierce Brosnan, I guess. Pierce Brosnan, okay. Um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Roger Moore, actually. All right, I could Roger go with Roger Moore. Bonds are good. Yeah, he, he's a little yeah. bit more of a funny Bond. Although he's you know, Sean Connery is the original. True. <laughs> True. Sean Connery is um, the original. I, I I really should say Sean Connery. Anyway, moving on. It's like hey, who's like, what's your favorite you like? Star Wars? Like you got to say the first one, but really it's Empire. But Kevin says Return of the Jedi. That's the thing. Like what you like. You are entitled to your own opinion. You're the captain of your own ship, so you don't have to steer according to anybody else's directions. <laughs> I'm getting closer to my home. <laughs> Uh, Martin's face twisted uh, as if and here's where we got a a change that I feel like is good for explanation. In the original it says as if quirt lashed and in the new version it says as if the boy had lashed him with a quirt. So quirt lash just it it almost strikes the ear as just nonsense but as if lashed with Mm. a quirt in by in context you can guess what the quirt is. It almost sounds like a whip. Quirt lashed. Yeah. Yeah. So the mother gasps. Or a switch. Yeah, switch. What, what do you exactly. think his weapon of choice mm. in in disciplining the boys is? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it might be closer yeah. to a, like a switch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a short-handled riding whip with a leather lash. Okay, so it's a riding crop. Okay. Yeah, a crop. Um, which is also messed up. Also, yes, yeah. That's animal abuse. <laughs> yeah. Poor horses. Indeed. Yeah. So. Basically, his mother says his name. Roland, uh, I mean, Martin stares at him, rankly unbelieving. Go, Martin said gently. Go and find your hand. Smiling rather horribly, the boy went. Rather horribly was added in. Originally, it was just smiling, the boy went. 
So I feel like I love Rather that horribly. Yeah, I love that the idea of Roland's horrible smile is kind of established yeah. here. That this is just. I mean, it's interesting that uh, Jake asks him, uh, "What was your coming of age?" and then says, "When you battled your teacher." And Roland starts with this moment right here because this, I feel like, is Roland's coming of age. It's not the performance okay. and it's not the the ceremony of him fighting his teacher. It is him seeing his mother as a woman who could be bad, who is having sex with someone who is not his father. And it is, I feel like, that kind of, like, pulling, like, the the... The kind of like, I don't want to say the wool over his eyes because that is a negative connotation, but kind of stripping him from kind of the the ignorant bliss of childhood. And Martin is kind of like forcing his face into it. Like, look at what's happening. Look at what your mother's doing. Yeah. And I feel like that is Roland's coming of age. And the because, yeah, that that horrible smile that Roland has been said to have a couple of times throughout the story. And I think earlier in this section really? too at some point Roland says he smiled horribly um oh I don't remember that uh, yeah when he's talking about um but but when they first go into the mountain and Roland is kind of talking about the dance and all um his 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 brown eyes were dark to the point of blackness with smiling right that's another way of just describing Martin. So, like, I feel like the smiling is talking about, um, oh, I don't know, <laughs> that he's becoming more Martin or I don't know. No, I don't think so. Because um, Martin, it's just talking about his eyes and, like, he has this, like, <clears throat> um, it's not talking Here's another about smiling. smiling. The, the boy looked up at Martin, still smiling paternally down on all this. Smiling paternally. Smiling, smiling this. Smiling, but not with his eyes. Because I feel like Roland, his smile is like a rictus grin, like a horrible smile. Whereas I feel like Martin has a convincing smile that doesn't reach his eyes. And his eyes are the thing that are horrible. Mm. Um... So was every other time they said smiling, it was a uh, positive connotation, and this time smiling horribly is a negative connotation. Now I, I, I want to look this up because I definitely have I definitely remember <laughs> something about uh, smiling horribly. No. There's a lot of smiling <laughs> notes in here. Smiling rather horribly. Oh, okay. Well, I definitely remember something yeah. about ta them talking about how Roland has a, you know, kind of a, a rictus kind of smile, like a, a terrible smile or something or rather. But rictus. Yeah. Kevin, uh, define that word. Rictus sort I, of like. I think I know what it means. Stretched beyond the point of it being in any way pleasant, like a rictus grin, like a kind of like, um, what is that? When someone dies. Bone stiff. Yeah. Well, rigor mortis. Um, rigor mortis. Yeah. Uh, Right? Isn't it like sort of rictus is like you get like all stiffened up? Exactly. Yeah. Like, well, because the gunslinger, when we met him in the very beginning, Kev, mm -hmm. we said this all. This this man has been hardened mm -hmm. over the years by various things that have happened to him through his his life. Exactly. Um, sort of stiffened. And now we're finding out. Now we're finding out what these things are. Right. So it, exactly. it's, it's very interesting. 
Yeah, that's why the, this is all the art, the origin story, really, and it's a very slow burn of an origin story because I've never read a book this slow in my life. It's true. It's <laughs> and that's the thing. It's fascinating because it, like, when you break it down to plot beats and like action scenes, not a lot happens. The guy walks and he meets a boy. They go under a mountain. There's a bad guy that they're following. That's about it. Uh, and he shoots up an entire town, and that's the kind of the, the the part at the beginning to get you kind of roped in. But then the rest of it is very slow. It's very Lord of the Rings. It's a it's a story of a journey. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I like that we're we're doing the slow burn. It's, exactly. It's like uh, we put we put the water on to boil, but we put it on like one heat. Yeah, it's a simmer. It's like yeah, we're just gonna let that simmer. But once it gets boiling, I think uh, things are gonna be cool. Well, it already is cool, of course. Yeah, and uh, I feel like so, that's so wait, where the that, beauty of it is. Does that get us is, to our point? We're gonna uh, we're gonna stop here. We're almost there. Um, uh, so basically, Martin yeah, the, stared at him. Yeah, they walk away. Right. Um, I'm sorry. No, he said go. The, no, that's where I got to the rather horribly part. And then, as he closed the door and went back the way he came, he heard his mother wail. It was a banshee sound. And then this part is added in. And then, unbelievably, the sound of his father's man striking her and telling her to shut her quack. To shut her quack! Exclamation point. And and then we get back into the originals. And then he heard Martin's laugh. The boy continued to smile as he went to his test. And that's where we cut off for the, oh my God. this week. Yeah. Oh, my God. Cliff That's a huge addition. Oh, yeah. my God. Exactly. So, so, so when I read that in the original, uh, as he closed the door and went back the way he came, he heard his mother's wail. It was a banshee sound. Then he heard Martin's laugh. Mm. And like to me, I was like, oh, he just hit her. Like, fuck. What an asshole. But like in... The oh, new the, one, the new version. He makes it hard and explicitly clear that he hit her. <laughs> Make this explicit, <laughs> oh and then goodness. saying, "Shut your quack!" Not only like shut your trap, shut your mouth. He he compares her to a duck that is quacking, and it's like dehumanizing to the point of not even like a uh, you know a noble beast, but it's just a quacking duck that's running around pointlessly, and it's just such a demeaning insult too. Ugh. See, father's man striking her until her to shut her quack. Yeah. To shut her quack. Another exclamation point. Mm. And then uh, back to the smile. The boy continued to smile as he went to his test. Mm. So it's just a crazy smile. Exactly. He's like, I am going. Oh, yeah. That's it. First I'm gonna first I'm gonna prove I'm a man so that I can get a gun and then I can shoot this man. I feel like that's Roland's train of thought. Is that okay, I don't I wanna kill him, but I don't know I don't have any way of doing it. Okay, so if I had a gun I could kill him, but I can't have a gun until I pass my test. So I'm gonna go take my test right here, right now, and then I am going to <laughs> yep. prove that I'm a man, and then I can kill this guy. He's a prag pragmatic. Exactly. Right? Is <laughs> That is Roland. He's like, okay, I'm going to do this. And so, okay. Uh, do you think, well, obviously, you know, already, but like, was he, is, uh, Martin the first person that Roland kills? 
I wonder if uh, that's what happens. Don't tell me this. Don't give me the answer. This is a rhetorical question for somebody who hasn't read this book. <laughs> True. I mean, um, in in a way, Roland, the first in story a way, he that he tells killed Jake, Hacks, Hacks the cook. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel okay. like Roland's yeah, yeah. saying the first person that he had killed. And actually, that's another thing about that change with the Invisible Man and blah, blah, blah. Because I feel like him, Roland referring to, I watched a man be hung. In, in the original version, you think he's talking about hacks. And then in the 2003 version, he's like, no, no, no. I watched an invisible man get hung. And it it changes into a whole different part of the story. Wow. Huh. Yeah, that is a big difference. Mm-hmm. If I knew it was coming, because I don't know what's coming. Um, <laughs> so we're at the end of section four here Correct. in uh, The Slow Mutants. Um Kev, what do you think we should read to next? It goes on for a little longer than we usually read, but I don't want to stop midway through the rest of this flashback. Uh, but maybe we should. Right. Um, you know what? I, I, I think we will. I th- I'm going to say we read up until the beginning. Uh, I'm going to say we read to the end of section six. Uh End of section six. Because okay. section five uh, is pretty long. Section six is pretty short. Because then... The, we... uh, the, uh, David's Perch? Um, Something about David's Perch? Yes, the yada yada, they left the barn. That'll be yep, our I ending. Because yeah, I don't want to... They wanna, left the barn. Yeah, I don't want to go two-thirds of the way because I want it to be next week is the beginning half and then the week after will be the last half of this flashback. Cool, cool. Yeah. I think that sounds good. Sounds well, good thank me. you all for joining us this week here on Chapter Brothers. Um, you can find us on uh, Facebook and uh, our website that I swear will be created. Will be created eventually. <laughs> we're going to be going back and retconning well, in, in the, the website in into the past, all these. It will be created. Yeah, we're in the future right True. now, Kev. By the, time, uh, <laughs> by the time a third person is listening to this, there will have been a website. <laughs> Um, yeah, but until then, uh, we're going to read up to, yeah, the end of section six in the slow mutants. Exactly. Um, but until then long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. Love you, buddy. (laughs) Love you too, brother.